Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, and I'm very happy you're here, and I'm happy that Kyle Hilliard is here. I, that, I, that's true. That's valid. I am here. Yep, and I'm happy that, of all people, of all times, I'm happy that Janet Garcia is on this earth right now for this podcast. Hello. Hello. Welcome. We're also joined by Jill Grout. Welcome, Jill. Hey, hello, everyone. Hello. I guess, uh, welcome back. Is this third episode? Something like that, yeah. Okay, formerly of Game Informer, was an intern, and then was an editor over there, and then the last round of layoffs said, see ya, um, and then went off on her own, and then this week launched what that Sia maybe was all about, which is Jill... Uh, t- this week, which feels like it's been a couple years, uh, I introduced the Indie Informer. I am, I started up my own little self-run website. I am attempting to cover all the indie games in the world. All of them at once. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a brave yeah, pursuit it's and I admire it. It's, it's I, great. May I recommend not opening Steam at any moment and you'll be dandy. This is going to be perfect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Like, you know, you launched it and the page was up and maybe I checked it too early because I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is great. That's a good name. Good job, Jill. Way to go. And then I was like, oh, but there's nothing on here. I don't really know what nope. this is yet. And then I went back and checked it today and there were more articles than most gaming websites on that thing already. <laughs> so way to go out of the gate here. Thank you. I'm trying very hard. Uh, I did introduce it, it maybe poorly. Um, having just gotten back and being jet la- uh, jet lagged and not knowing what time it was, sort yeah. of uh, not having given anybody really a heads up, so like not even behind the scenes, uh, I haven't been reaching out to like PR or anything like that. Interesting strategy. So I really am building the plane as it's flying because we've decided planes are the best of planes, trains, and automobiles. That's right. In a pre-show uh, question from Sam Kennedy, we addressed that. <laughs> uh, if you're at the Backstage Pass, you can watch that stuff live or the archive version anyway. Um, yeah, but congratulations. What is what is the goal for Indie Informer here? What, I know you, you, you say cover every indie game, but realistically, you just want to have your own outlet and just build it up slow and steady? I'm glad that you're here to tell everybody what my goals are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it is essentially, um, I left Game Informer, which is a still a wild statement to me, um, and, and was very, very, um, feeling dejected about everything that was happening in the media space because everybody's getting laid off and it, that doesn't seem like it's going to stop. No. So I'm like, you know, I just kind of want to jump into this myself. I want to have a space where I can talk about the things I want to talk about how I want to talk about them, when I want to talk about them, um, and not kill myself doing that, hopefully. Like, it's been busy this first week, but the, the goal is really a big part for me, just for me, to be able to share my enthusiasm because, you know, when I wasn't, when I didn't have anything, I was just haunting, like, things like the MinMax Discord where they have the indie channel. I'm like, look at this, you guys. Um <laughs> So I need a place to do that. And I was, you know, I have a lot of people behind the scenes who were very, very sweet and reached out and were like, hey, hit us up if you want something, you know. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm I'm feeling up to that right now. I don't know if that's where I want to go with all of this. So right now I am going on my own. Uh, No Patreon, nothing like that. I'm just doing what comes out and trying to enjoy it so. yeah i love it there's a link below but i mean janet you must uh 
have some overlap and some thoughts here with pen to pixels, right? Kind of a similar philosophy. Yeah, I mean, shout out to like making your site and also I think just putting it out there immediately. Um, so many people are obsessed with having this perfect launch that's yep. never going to exist. Your site's always going to look uglier months or years before from the time that you are now. And it should mm -hmm. because you should always be iterating on it. So, yeah, drop it, drop it immediately. Um, you know, I don't know what your gen your like monetary career plans are, but I, I would recommend putting someplace where people could give you money because <laughs> even if you're not offering anything, even if you're like, literally, I'm not offering anything. I'm just I'm going to write. That's it. Like people will show up and support it. Um, and even if they don't, that's the same as where you are now. So that's just from an outside perspective. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of it being indie focused. I think it's great that you picked a focus um, for pen to pixel. I just write whatever. So I don't have a focus, which right. is its own chaos and fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's such an exciting space and it's so cool to actually be like zeroed in on something. And obviously it's a passion of yours. So I'm excited right. to keep an eye on it. And it's always nice to see another, I think, small site come into the space. Um, as someone that also runs a site that's just me writing. It's always like, I'm like, we have our preview of, I'm like, it's just me. Like, who is we? Like, you know, know. But, um, <laughs> it's a fun time, but yeah, like even um, like for pen to pixels, like I made a Twitter account for it, even though I'm like, I mean, it's me and I write maybe one article a month at best. Like, I don't know. It's very chaotic, but a lot of people end up following it and they're excited about it. So yeah, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for it and yeah you totally nailed it you can't lay yourself off unless you decide to yeah. so I'm like you know that would you be can't horrific. fire me I am me in the mirror right imagine the like myself. tweet that comes after that like I regret to announce that my company has laid people off I know, right? <laughs> good yeah, night no longer a thing but um yeah that's super cool so I don't know let me know if you ever yeah, want to talk more about having your own outlet but yeah congrats on the launch Thank you so much. Yeah. And it came at such a funny time, too, because that Monday when I launched, uh, there was a lot of Twitter discourse uh, about indie gaming and covering indie gaming. Uh, and I'm just sort of like inserting my own little website like here, here, come check me out. Well, no, I think it's interesting to have that sole focus. And yeah, like Jen said, I think it is smart and it's always... Look, uh, covering indie games, it's never going to bring in the traction and the traffic um, that, say, like a God of War Ragnarok might by chance, uh, putting that in the headline. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like if you don't have anything to compare it to, like if you're writing for a big outlet and you have some little indie game versus God of War Ragnarok on the front page, it's like, well, God of War Ragnarok does better. Therefore, let's always put that in the headline. Um, but if you're just doing indie games, I think that's a nice way to find new teams, highlight talent, and you're never going to be struck by low views on an article hopefully right. it'll and, just slowly uh, raise and people will get to know it for what it's specializing in yeah absolutely and and doing it just for me is really the goal here so the only mark of success is whether or not i was happy with it it doesn't really matter to me yeah like on some level it matters because people aren't going to come to me if nobody ever reads my stuff but you know, uh, ultimately, the goal is to be happy with what I wrote, and I don't have to obsessively, like, got to get those views, got to get those clicks. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really nice thing about doing this on my own. Yeah, yeah. Check out the link in the description, everybody, if you want to see more of Indie Informer. And was it Alex Stadnick at Game Informer who started <laughs> calling you that? Do you have to give him um, any uh, fees for this? 
It's probably like 70% Van Aken okay. and 30% Stanek. Okay. Stanek was the one who throughout the year was attempting to find an indie related name for me. Right. And then right at the last minute, stepping over the finish line was Van Aken, who was like, oh, the Indian former. Why not? There we go. Perfect. Pick it up and run with it. Uh, hey, on this episode, we're not going to talk about no stinking indies. No, we probably will uh, here and there, actually. Uh, no, we're going to be talking about God of War, Ragnarok, and why we're so excited AAA about it. Shell. I'm so <laughs> out of here. Hey, everybody. Tears of the Kingdom's coming next quarter. Uh, we're going to be talking hey, about Hanson, can you Can you make the joke that God of War Ragnarok is a little indie game <laughs> yeah, that maybe you've never heard oh of? Oh, my God. Number one joke. Number one joke. Um, we're gonna be talking about Shovel Knight Dig, Desta, a new Netflix game, uh, Tunic, a game that Jill has not and will not ever stop talking about, and some other odds and ends. And then back after the show, we have some great community questions that people submitted over there on Patreon. Um, I'm excited to talk about God of War. Every time we've talked about it on this podcast, I feel like it's been a situation of like, oh, you know, we'll spend. 10, 15 minutes on it, but it's usually just recapping a trailer, and I feel like there's a lot more that I want to unpack in terms of what there is to say about God of War Ragnarok that we don't re really get around to. And that combined with the fact that uh, Jill is a history buff and a mythology buff, dare I say? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a degree in, in essentially Rome. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rome, comma, more or less. Uh, she has yeah. her degree in. Um, and then Kyle likes uh, attacking things with uh, fire chaining blades. Um, but then mm -hmm. Janet... I like pressing buttons when they prompt me on screen. Nothing that, that's, better. That's what I have my degree in. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but then Janet just finished God of War 2018 for the first time for a big, kind of funny uh, interview. So uh, I feel like we're, we're primed to talk about God of War Ragnarok. So here's the thing, everybody. We're going to talk about Ragnarok, but... We have timestamps below for everybody involved if you don't want any spoilers for God of War 2018. Because we're going to be hypothesizing about what's going to be happening in Ragnarok. Take our best guess at where the storyline might be going that involves details from 2018. So if you've not finished 2018 and you're wary of spoilers, please jump ahead. Because we should, we should unpack this thing and try and make our best guess as to where they're going with this overall story. But yeah, uh, to kick, it, uh, kick the whole thing off, Jan, I'm curious, like, finishing that game in the year 2022, finishing old 2018 God of War. How'd it sit with you? What'd you think? Um, definitely still a masterpiece. It Ooh. was, but it was less fond than I thought it was going to be because I had only played before. I finally like unlocked my old memories when I had did my full playthrough in 2022. And I realized I stopped like, and again, this is full spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah. Just in case someone missed it. I stopped right before um, Atreus got sick. Like, I mean, he was okay. the whole time, right? But, like, before he, like, was like, oh, man, I'm sick for real. And you have to like, bring him back to Freya, I yeah. stopped, like, right there. So I'm like, which I'm so mad about, because the one spoiler I did have going in was that he gets the chains, um, the, you know, back and everything. But, like, um, I knew that already. So sure. it's like, but I stopped right before then. I'm like, if I just played a little bit more, mm -hmm. I would have gotten that moment oh. with everyone else. And that sequence is um, so good, too. Like, just... Him going back for the chains and the fact that with that camera they can't cut, so you just have to like sit in it and just feel him stewing as you're like slowly going through the tunnel encountering Athena, right? Um, yeah. In his head, or I mean, at the time works. too, at least like I, I, I think you can even go back and listen to, um, you know, the the uh, deepest dive of a different name that we did on it, Hanson. <laughs> I think I was very confident that. I, like it wasn't going to call back to the original. Like mm. I think I even said, like there's no way he gets those chains back. That's really? just, that's a different game. And I like, but the, to be wrong was like so awesome and we exciting. We were all happy and you were like, wrong. 
it was i was i was so when when it was clear what was happening i still remember that as being like one of my favorite moments of that year of like this is i can't believe he's going back for those that's incredible i was thinking about that again just it's so wild with 2018's got a war that i'm sure there were these corners of the internet and maybe i just didn't see them because i was not a big god of war fan until 2018's got a war that really turned me around in a big bad way um but the fact that that game was so confident that i didn't even see people complaining about like they changed the main theme to god of war which seems wild like the old god of wars had an iconic main theme that they just ditched and then the voice actor completely swapping that around i mean the fact that that game was so good, 2018's God of War, that there's still, I don't think there are people bellyaching about that, is just unheard of in the internet these days. Um, Jill, I assume you're a fan of that game. Um, I, I was a fan of the old series. I'm very interested in what you just said, because I think some of it was, as a fan, I had played them, and I was like, okay, that's done. Like, right. I, I never expected it to come back. So I think it was 2018 E3 reveal was so shocking. I was like, I thought this was dead. I literally thought this was not coming back. Um, and then to see it and to be suddenly very excited about it. I think there was that energy of like, who cares? It's coming. There's more coming. I'm very excited. They did exactly the right thing to change everything around. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's so good. Uh, Janet, was it weird playing through that game with Ragnarok marketing and kind of vague outline in mind? Like, you must, it must be a giant red flag every time that Freya's like, I don't believe in Ragnarok. Or, like, anybody mentions Ragnarok, it's kind of like, okay, it sticks a little bit harder, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, I am just like, they said the name of the next game. And then it was funny being like, you know, people speculating on what it would be before the, the rumors leaked that it'd be called Ragnarok. Yeah. It's like, they say that Ragnarok every 12 seconds so i don't know why we didn't notice before but um obviously that's Winking with hindsight yeah yeah exactly you know i'm like i thought it was a one shot but he turns around really quick um to make eye contact very strange but i actually missed a lot of the other like spoiler stuff like when i reacted to that trailer i kind of actually looked away and i turned off my volume because i didn't want anything to spoil the game so i don't didn't know anything else about the game except for the chains um that's oh, all i knew interesting so that was very convenient um but yeah like, i mean some stuff does hit differently like you see um some of the, i think the iconography that you like see in the trailers tinted out there or talked about with like oh chasing the sun and the moon and the wolves and everything so some of that's like okay I see the lines that you're going to be connecting a little bit more, but generally it felt fine, like playing it with all the marketing around. Um, but yeah, but I was, I was surprised to have actually finished it because I feel like a lot of the, some of the stuff I had done before and just forgot about it, but I did, there were more things to complain about than I thought there would be. Mm. So for the first few hours I was like, I got no notes. This is just yep. nothing but pure fire. And then I was like, I got some notes. And then I was like, I hated this part and then then the end happened and I was like wow what a spectacular ending maybe one of the best game endings in gaming ever I struggle to think of one that's better than how God of War 2018 ended yeah what uh, what about specifically just I mean the the story beats or fights or what are you talking about I think the combination of of all of it I think so often games go for um they want to create grandiosity and that's why boss battles exist but so often as Kyle's thread has pointed out it's just this jumping over rings <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so it's like okay I mean the thing's big or like this guy's really evil but you don't really feel the weight of it um, I think Balder you know we've talked about before such an incredible presence despite not having visibly an incredible stature or anything yeah. just the personality oh, so the, good. and I think the way that 
there's obviously the boss battle, like the very end where you are fighting him. But they kind of like there's like an ebb and a flow. It's it's very theatrical. It's a the last fourth of that game is is a play. It's a dance. It's a big spectacle. You're go. Then you go. Then you fall to the sky. Then you're in hell. Then you're going through these things. Then you're seeing this like they really stretch it out and draw it out in a way that feels genuine and compelling and then when you went inside the world serpent i'm like i didn't even know i wanted to do yeah. this but i'm so excited we're rolling into this thing <laughs> and then remember like when you um, shoot out of its mouth and like the camera is taking time to like adjust everything kind of looks like it's in black and white for a while because it's just like the silhouettes like oh that stuff's so, and then so Boulder cool walks out of the water this man has never swam in his life he is just <laughs> full iron suited so walking down the bottom of the ocean um yeah like it was just fantastic yeah it was a fun fight too yeah, for sure. And then, so the Loki thing, the fact that Atreus is Loki, you had sure. no idea about? Correct. Oh, that's amazing. Right. I'm so glad that was preserved. Um, and yeah, because it is a confusing thing in the lead up to it. Because I remember even like visiting Sony Santa Monica and talking to them about it and be like, so Atreus is half God? And then kind of being like, ah, uh, yeah. Like unclear what you could confirm without spoiling it. But like that yeah. ending, I was so happy that I did not know that they're going that direction. And it's just, that was, that is really what sunk it home for me. I'm just like, God, that is the perfect way it to also, end that game. I mean, it just lights your brain it does on that fire. Thing, not, not to spend so much time on how the 2018 game is so great, but like it does a thing, which like you can also credit to like the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something where it's like, they have a very clear goal at the beginning. We have to deliver these ashes. You right, know? right. And like tons of other interesting and amazing stuff happens. But to have that catharsis at the end where you finally do the thing that you set out to do from the very beginning, you had that singular goal the whole time. It's just like it's just it's just good storytelling. You know? <laughs> also, yeah, very like, hey, we got to get to that mountain to put the ashes on there. And you can see the yes. mountain in so many different areas of the game just as a constant reminder. And it's 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 very effective overall. Um, and then there's I mean, this is where I think it gets really fun to start speculating about where they're going with Ragnarok. And definitely right after 2018 God of War, the internet was just spinning with theories of like, okay, so I think that Kratos is secretly Tyr, kind of the Norse quote unquote God of War, is how people were speculating with that. Because there's a couple lines even where like Mimir, he says like, oh, you and Tyr have a lot in common. And so people are thinking that is this full circle thing that he was Tyr, but now it seems like, okay, no, Tyr is a separate entity. We've seen him in these trailers. He is going to be somebody else. Um, but then, I mean, the part that really gets fun is when you see like the mural at the end of God of War 2018, and there's that shot of Atreus like, and Kratos sitting down slash laying down, and it certainly looks like Kratos is dead-ish. <laughs> And then uh, Jormungandr... He's not doing great in that mural. He's not yeah. doing great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, he should ask him to redo that mural to make him look more attractive. Um, but then you see the world serpent crawling out of uh, Atreus's mouth. And also it even looks like Kratos's mouth in that shot. So then becomes that full, fun, full circle thing of like, okay, Loki is the father of the world serpent with Anger Boda, however you pronounce that, which is the giant that we saw in that first big reveal trailer at the very end. Mm -hmm. So then it's that fun idea of like, okay, so he is giving birth to this. And there's even a couple hints of that in 2018. Jill, correct me where I'm wrong. There's a couple hints of it in 2018 about like, oh, the world serpent. He seems familiar. It seems like he recognizes you, Atreus. I think Mimir says that at some point, speaking in world serpentese. Yeah. Um, and then it just becomes this fun thing of like, Mimir also says that during Ragnarok, uh, that Thor... Is it Thor or is it Odin? It's Thor and Jormungandr fight to such a wild degree that they shatter time and the world serpent is then sent back in time. 
So then there's that fun idea of like, okay, so we're getting to that point and that's how Atreus is able to, evil, able to meet his child, which is a world serpent before he even knows that he's Loki. Jill, what am I getting wrong? What am I getting right? Where, where are you at? Yeah, I mean, it, it is Thor and the world Ser- serpent that fight and I believe they kill each other. I think so. But there's there's also like i'm really excited because uh the description of thor's death is like he he succeeds and then walks away he does that thing where you it's the um the samurai duel where (laughs) the one falls over and then the other one walks away looks like he's victorious and then also falls over dead so i'm like that's gonna be such a cinematic moment i am so (laughs) excited to see this happen yeah um so yeah yeah. it seems like in classic mythology, you know, the story of the Ragnarok and Norse mythology and whatnot, which it's always fudgy and fuzzy and all that stuff. And it's not like they need to stick to this 100% because they even say at the end of 2018 that like, oh, Fimblewinter is coming. And then when that's over, that's when Ragnarok really kicks off. Um, and when Skold and Hati, the two wolves, uh, consume the sun and the moon and all that fun stuff. Um, but Mimir says like, hey, this isn't right. Fimblewinter wasn't supposed to happen until for like a hundred winters from now. So like Kratos, you being here, you've thrown everything out the door. So kind of in the Marvel sense, it's disturbed the timeline, right? So anything could happen. Very clever uh, retconning of like anything that's a little different. It's because that they've uh, set this up and Kratos has been involved. Right. uh, But in classic, yeah, but in classic Ragnarok, I think everybody dies. And then I think like a fire giant lives and they burn down the world. And that's the end of it. There's something really interesting that I noticed about going back and seeing the game. Like some of the people who are supposed to survive through Ragnarok seem to have already died. Uh, oh, interesting. So I think uh, Magni is supposed to live. Oh, the Thor's sons, kid. Sons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are supposed to live through. And I'm like, dude just got stabbed in the neck right like he dead yeah so i guess it's just back to that idea of they can do absolutely anything with this right Um, so anything that we're about to predict based off of the mythology like is probably gonna be wrong and uh but it's still fun to speculate oh yeah no that's great yeah it's it's awesome so kyle Mm -hmm. do you have any thoughts on where they're going with the story big bold predictions for ragnarok well, and I like as much as I love the originals, right? The, yeah. the Greek era of Kratos, like, and I and I love like him getting hit the chains of Olympus back and everything like that. I don't really necessarily like need them to go back there, but like with your idea, which you know the internet's idea, I suppose to be to be fair, is like with timeline uh, fuzziness and the manipulation. I thing, wonder yeah. if there is a portion of the game where you're you know, revisiting events of the original God of War, like Back to the Future 2 style or something. Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. if there's some peak at that. You know, maybe uh, Atreus gets to see Kratos' former life, you know, like in a in a big bold way where he's like oh this is who my dad really is you know that's yeah. dark yeah. well yeah. i remember yeah, I think cool we, we want him to see that <laughs> i could have sworn correct me if i'm wrong jan because you just played it but isn't there something like you see zeus in hell and i think kratos has a yeah. moment of like hey how much of that did you see there atreus and he's oh like my oh, God. not that much yeah, no I'm... big deal um, but he might already know a lot more about his passing is letting on. Is that right, Janet? Am I remembering that yeah, correctly? Yeah, they, they confirm that later. Like, later okay. on, they have a conversation where they actually kind of more talk about it. But the reason I kind of, like, verbally rolled my eyes is because it's like, 
I streamed the game like and as I was hanging out with my chat while I was watching it and yeah. I was like this is that classic like toxic dudes being toxic being like oh well I didn't talk to him but he like understood me I'm like why don't right, you talk right, right. to him yeah. and then he, we know we know that he understood you and they're like yeah but you know that's a trait is trying to like preserve Kratos's feelings about it. I'm like, do you see how right. a, we're, we're doing a lot of the work here that they could just do like later on when he apologizes to, um, I forgot the names of the, the brothers that create the armor and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, you know, he's like, Hey, I just want to say like, I'm sorry for earlier. And it's like, Oh yeah, don't worry about it. What they didn't do was pretend that like, Oh, I get it. You know, it's like, come on. It's like, yeah. Like I, there's, there's a lot of that. I mean, it's a lot um, of Kratos yeah, yeah. just and say something. And that's yeah. a character flaw. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and like, he's got to figure out how to overcome that. I don't think, I don't think. Y'all got to gotta work on that. Y'all need therapy, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know, yeah. what you need. When you get was tough back then. It was really hard stuff. to sort out. You know, you couldn't call HR or whatever. It was tricky. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, it's weird the to drama. try and think of like, yeah, where Trace is going here and the, the, clear takeaway that's going to be too simplistic is I think some people then in 2018 is like, oh, he's Loki. That means he's going to be evil for Ragnarok. Like, I don't think it's going to be that clear, but no. definitely all he's the trailers. Yeah. I and think all- Loki is a lot. I really enjoyed that moment uh, when they revealed Loki be- and I'm like, of course he is because Ragnarok, the myth that we like, it's sort of a meta thing. The myth that we understand as Ragnarok is sort of written by the gods' perspective. So, like, we're looking at Loki's perspective and how he's not going to be evil. He's just against the gods. And the gods would obviously portray this as being evil. But, right. like, Loki's going to sail in with a bunch of giants on a ship made of toenails and fingernails, by the way. That's um, okay. Ooh, yeah, that's a thing. Day. Look that up. So it's psychonauts. And, and like, right. <laughs> mess things up. And I love that. Uh, and I really want to see, I want to see Loki transform into a female horse and give birth. But I don't know if they're going to go that far. God, I, I went down um, a very dorky rabbit hole recently where I was trying to find, some... I was trying to find like my old um, notes from the game club we did at Game Informer for God of War 2018. So I was looking in like Google Docs for just the word Odin. Because I'm like, I probably would have mentioned him there. Um, and then I ended up finding like a college paper I wrote from 2007 and it was like this in a paper on uh, Scandinavian mythology, this class I took, and it was all about like the transformations in Scandinavian mythology. So it was really fun, like reading my own paper of like, oh, okay. So these well, are all of Loki's transformations. I'm getting spoilers you know, all through here. Yeah. Like Jill, with you bringing that up, which sounds, I mean, sounds wild, but at the same time, I mean, that's something that Atreus asks Kratos. He's yep. like, so can mm-hmm. I turn into an animal? It's the first thing he asks. Yeah. What? Why would and, you and think then he's that? like, mm, no. And then he's like, and I love that moment because it's, uh, you know, again, talk to chat about this. And they were like, Kratos is definitely thinking, can he turn to an animal? <laughs> I just came from kind of funny. So I swore like a bunch on there. Um, but yeah, it was like that little pause. Um, but it's really good. But anyway. the question is like. Yeah, right. will he need to? I'm sure he will at some point in this game. The fact that they set yeah. that up and it's the first thing that he asks, but then it's also like, well, with the timeline, he also. So it's Twilight Princess. It's Twilight Princess, indeed. <laughs> well, no, but the weird thing is, like, it looks like Fenrir is like all, already there. Like, there's that trailer of them like encountering Fenrir, like the big wolf, who's also Loki's kid. So then that gets confusing. Of like, wait, was Fenrir right. also sent back in time then as well with Jormungandr, or is this just more of a full circle than right. Mimir even knows? Or it might just be that like they're not going to stick to everything that is canon in 
the mythology, which because right. I can't understand how he would give birth things <laughs> uh, and have them understand that. The other thing that I'm really excited about mythology wise is that uh, during 2018, we got a little panel that had tear in it and yeah. where he was like buddy buddies with some of the other gods of war. Um, and the first one that struck my mind, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited, was the top right was uh, Greek mythology. The bottom right was a Celtic symbol. I was like, what? Oh. Are you guys going Celtic here? Because I'm super down for that. Celtic. So who is uh, the Celtic god of war? What's going on in Celtic mythology? I don't know too much about it. Celtic mythology is bonkers. Um, Netch is the god of war. God in, bless you, Jill. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> in Celtic mythology, who's married to a being called Morrigan? Morrigan? Uh, who is a being that is a goddess, but also three goddesses at once. Like, there are a lot of cool things that happen. That's and she's also a god of war. So it could be either one of them. Um, and so I don't know how they're going to jump into that, but I'm really interested to see if they do. Like, Kyle's like, maybe they're jumping around into different Greek things. Like, I want to see them jump into Celtic mythology and yeah. here be like, hey, let's head, hit up some of my friends that I made earlier before you guys showed up. <laughs> You'll love I just, them. I don't think they're going to do I, it. I, I, I don't, don't think they're going to do it. I don't want, like, a post-credits, you know, like tease you know like a text met like a text message is sent to the celtic <laughs> gods or something like, for, you know, i think like it's you style kind of like oh this the next one's celtic it's, i hope it, if they do that which sounds very exciting it's like intermingled and it's part of the larger story i don't want yeah. it to be like a cliffhanger kratos is going celtic next you know? i would yeah. i would put money on the post-credit scene being like atreus wandering and then he looks down at his feet and it transitions from like snow to sand and the implication being Egyptian stuff, which they also already teased yeah. a fair amount in 2018. And I remember Corey right. Barlog even said that for this game, they were a bit of a coin toss between do we do Egypt or do we do Norse mythology? So I would imagine right. that's where they're going next. And well, because I don't like that, that is... I have to go to my house to get that scene either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna throw that out there. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't do don't have me do that. Like just tie it all in. Like just have me go. Just put the cutscene at the house. Literally, my entire chat was just like, make sure you go to the house. I'm like, yep. if I really had to go to the house, why didn't you just tell me when the credits are done? <laughs> I kind of liked gonna, it. I might uninstall the whole game. You I know? like. Yeah. I know you were like playing for a time crunch and stuff, but I did love that idea of just like. Like if you happen to go back home and rest, which if you're really role playing, that's exactly what you should want to do. Then you get that mm -hmm. Thor scene. I think that's so cool. Right. Yeah, I kind of I kind of encountered it naturally in that way because it was like let's let's put them to bed so I can turn off the game. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to just like absolutely leave them there floating. <laughs> Good night, Atreus. I love my accent of the realm and stuff too, so that was kind of awkward. Uh. But for the um the panel thing, yeah. there were four symbols. So you had the Greek, you had the Celtic. Uh, and then you did have the eye of Horus, which uh, Egyptian, and then bottom left was a Japanese symbol, which I'm not. Oh, like, really? That's not oh, my mythology knowledge. Uh, so, like, they've got a lot of different places they can go in this. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see what they do with those because they didn't throw those in for nothing. Right. Kyle, would you put money down on. <laughs> no, money down. Uh, would you put money down on <laughs> um, just Mjolnir is the only new weapon? You get Thor's hammer? Or do you think we're getting two weapons? I mean, they haven't confirmed oh. it, but it seems wildly likely yeah. that with all the elemental damage and stuff they've been talking about in combat that we're going to get to control Mjolnir. Yeah, I feel like Mjolnir would almost just be an upgrade to whatever, to Kratos' current 
weapon. I'm not sure what it's called. Leviathan. Leviathan. Yeah. Leviathan. Like because it's functionally it's similar, right? Well, like, just the like gameplay it, it returns. side of it wouldn't change much in theory. So I would imagine there would be something completely new and unexpected that plays very. I mean, you know, the original trilogy did that a lot. Like you would get weapons that like you would get Hercules like gauntlets and that made it play completely differently because it became like a up close melee game at that point like i wouldn't be i'm just thinking about it mechanically instead of story wise yeah i think that there would be something unexpected and then uh thor's mjolnir would would om- I, I wonder if it's just going to be an upgrade like it's just going to work the same and it does more damage now and has electrical abilities or something i don't you think attach so. it on to a switchblade <laughs> yeah time together yeah <laughs> I, I think they'd want to keep it separate just so you can have more yeah. of that interplay of like okay this the leviathan will be kind of the axe weapon and then we have the lightning weapon then we have the fire weapon and then the yeah, wind be. weapon if they have that i hope it comes in earlier because i will say parts of switching between weapons was kind of hard to like get a grasp on yeah and then also like perceiving things which maybe this is just me and i just am on autopilot like playing this game because it's such a like a beat em up inspired pace um has always been like key to god of war so i'll be like fighting just like just fighting for my life and then i'll look at like the what's going on like really perceive it and i'm like i don't think i'm doing damage i think these, okay never mind this is the wrong like i don't even perceive what's happening because it's yep. all happening so quickly and chaotically at once that i think it was a little bit a lot to i mean i liked it I, I think the flow of of when you got it made sense but the actual act of having to then switch became a little bit like playing ddr of like constantly mo- shuffling things around yeah and with four weapons that might be a bit much but i'm curious to see how they tie everything together there um i will shout out if you're into the mythology there might be a better resource than this but ign has a series of videos which are, are very nice um where they have a series of videos with uh norse mythology experts specifically an expert on that language um, kind of unpacking all of the God of War Ragnarok trailers. So there's a lot of informative stuff in there. Just like, hey, there's a mermaid in the latest story trailer. Are there mermaids in any Norse mythology? And he's like, um, let's see. I think someone sleeps with a woman that's part seal at some point. <laughs> like, that's the closest we got. It's just, unrelated. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, that's more Celtic, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, there's a, a terrifying being that is kind of half seal that like sucks you in, I believe. It's a selkie? Is that right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Wow. Everything I know about Celtic mythology, I know from that uh, animation studio that has released three films. <laughs> oh, okay, of course. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff that we can look forward to of like probably at some point Fenrir is going to bite off Tyr's hand. That'll be a big moment. If they don't do that, that'd be weird because that's like the big foreshadowed thing. And so much of uh skinny mythology is about fate and odin trying to control the fate because he knows that ragnarok's coming like he definitively knows this in some way he's already been through it but then it's the idea of like okay i'm going to try and contain these wolves so that it doesn't happen and then with kratos also trying to fight the fates I, okay this is i'm still confused about the alliance of or allegiance is probably a better way to put it of atreus and where this is going because all the trailers have hinted that he's kind of splitting with kratos that he's frustrated with kratos seems like he's knowing more and more about the backstory (laughs) exactly right (laughs) um but then at the same time it's like well if you're going with like mythology then he should be like aligned with like the giants fighting the gods so do you think joe they're going to go with like atreus aligning himself with the gods more so in this situation no i don't think so okay Um, I mean, there might be a situation where, like, oh, I'm a kid trying to be an adult and uh, these people aren't telling me what, like, maybe there's something there. But uh, I think it's going to be a situation 
I I think that he's going to cause the death of his father, and that's why he's not shown in later uh, parts of the game, sort of together with him. Oh, um, like you're talking about like the that eclipse scene and stuff. The fact that Curtis isn't there. Yeah, like just the fact oh, that we're not there? we're seeing mm-hmm. him do his own thing and be. They've talked about him like being independent and and things like. Yeah. I don't think Kratos is going to make it all the way through this second game, um, and. I think he's going to take up the sort of legacy, whether or not he in, intentionally or not, of, of going after some gods. Yeah. So. And then the next game's called God of Mischief. Yeah. That's the way it works. Uh, Kyle. Mischief in Egypt. <laughs> Kyle, if I took $200 out of your pockets, which I know you carry in your back pocket at all times, just heads mm-hmm. up for anybody who's walking around, Kyle. Um, and said, will Kyle die? Or, will Kyle, excuse me. Will, no. Wow. Will, oh, yes. Will, Kyle will definitely die at some point. Will, which we know. Will Kratos die? No, Kyle die. will live forever. <laughs> will Kratos die? I feel like die? Jill's still right somehow. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. This is confusing. Well, this video will live forever, so I guess in a way Kyle will. But will Kratos it's die in this game, Kyle? Will Kratos die? Yes. I'm going to say no. I don't think so. Okay, I think... Kyle's had historically bad takes. He was just talking about how he was true. wrong before. He is really Kyle's dumb. the real trickster. <laughs> yeah. I, I... Kyle's just how Loki spells his name and he wants to trick us. God, I, I think, think he will. Be, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing because it's like, I don't think Sony, Santa Monica, all those entities, I don't think they would be a, like scared from like an IP perspective to, yeah. to kill off Kratos. I, I think they'd be willing to do that if it was the right call. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I just, I don't think he will. I would, I would love to be surprised. I, 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 you know, like I don't, I, it's not like I want, I need him to stick around. I, it, you know, like if the story calls for it and it makes an impact and it like, and it's important, like let's do it. Let's kill Kratos. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just don't think so. I don't think maybe unless I guess what are you going to play as Atreus for the second half of the game or something? Yeah. It, it's going to be so weird to think about like how they're going to end this game. Is it just going to be a big fight against Odin. Like that's too simple. And Fenrir is supposed to fight against Odin during Ragnarok. And so it's like, okay, well, so Fenrir will be on your side and you'll be fighting Odin and that'll be the boss fight or otherwise like how will like you go down? like a guitar hero inspired mm-hmm. uh, kind of mini game. Okay. That's a God of War 3 joke, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for filling me then. Uh, but yeah, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, looking forward to that thing. What is it, November 7th or 8th? I forget. Eighth? Yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, that mm-hmm. was Yeah, I think it's the 8th, because yeah, Skull and Bones was the 7th, and now that got delayed. So it's clear sailing, unless you're Sarah Podzorski and you're playing Sonic Frontiers instead, like a damn fool! But that's fine. Um, let's see what else is uh, hot. Uh, Cyberpunk uh, November 9th, by the way, just to be clear. Exactly oh. what we said repeatedly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we were testing you. That's right. Um, Kyle, you wanted to talk about Cyberpunk, which I yeah. I would like to talk about as well. It's it's funny that like we had um I think it was just two weeks ago on the podcast when Odell was on, we had like our Cyberpunk is redeemed discussion, and that yeah, felt he's very passionate about it. Yeah. He oh certainly on Twitter he was. Um. But now that feels very premature because now it feels like actually there has been a title shift and it has happened. Yeah. Collectively, we as a culture has now said, yes, cyberpunk is good now. Our the predictions end. for the last, what, three years, you and me, Hanson? That's like, right. This is the year. People <laughs> turn around on cyberpunk. <laughs> but it kind of finally happened. And the weird thing is, yeah, they uh, updated the game uh, one more time and all this stuff. But 
it's weird to have the game kind of be culturally redeemed because the anime on Netflix is good. But is that what's happening here? That's 100% what's happening. Yeah. People like the <laughs> anime. Anime saves the day again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Exactly. An unusual um, um, hero in this scenario. Yeah. Unlikeliest. <laughs> anime finally saved us. Uh, or CD Projekt Red, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's... it's 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 a hundred percent tied to edge runners yeah. um, because edge runners is very cool and very good and it looks great and it also impressively does feel like a companion to the game in a yeah. real way it doesn't really feel like a separated spin-off but it also stands alone on its own as like a cool story that is happening in the same night city that i really thoroughly explored a few years ago yeah i'm with you i just watched the the first episode of edge runners on netflix there but it's just cool seeing that world because you know when we did the deepest dive on cyberpunk i'm certainly in the camp of i think night city is the best city in any video game like it's just an awesome environment whatever else you think about that game it's tough to deny that that environment is just amazing um but it's so cool that in the anime just to see like oh yeah I do want to see what a school is like. Just anything other than the adult perspective. So having like a younger kid in Edge Runner is like talking to the principal in that first episode. Like this is just a side of cyberpunk that's really interesting that you would never see in the game. Yeah, and then the way they integrate it into the game, it's not it's not like it's not crazy overt. It's not a lot. There's not like a lot of content there or anything. But basically, you go to David is the protagonist of Edge Runners. You go to his like his apartment building okay. and you find a brain dance like in the garbage outside. And basically when you watch it, it's like the first, you know, I don't know, five, ten minutes of the anime. It's that scene with the cyber psycho going crazy. Yeah. And and then your character calls someone and they're like, hey, who's this? I'm, I've got these like I found this brain dance on the ground. Who's this guy, David? And then you find out more about David in the game. And uh, it's it's just like a it's like it's subtle and it's small, but it's like it's cool. Like, I like how it's integrated. It's fun. Yeah, I don't know. I should have expected this. It's cyberpunk, everybody. But watching the anime, I was still struck by like, oh, yeah, this is a very mature IP. Like the first time there's this like, you know, full nudity on the screen and cyberpunk edge runners like, oh, Jesus. OK, I was just lulled into thinking this is the standard anime affair. But uh, you know what, Kyle? This anime is for adults now. I dare say it. <laughs> This ain't no cartoon. <laughs> um, so the whole family sitting around watching Edge Runners? <laughs> well, two thirds of the family. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Thank God. Because yeah, can you give me the backstory? Because it's Studio Trigger, right? Like it's like a yeah. They're very well renowned, but I don't really know why in the anime world. So they did uh, Kill la Kill, and okay. uh, they did a movie called Pro Mare, which I feel like are the two big things. They've done a handful of other things, but they're just like. Uh, they, they, it's like an animation studio that is, I don't know, I kind of find rare in anime and correct me, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, internet, but like, I feel like they're one of the few that I can look at their anime and be like, oh, that's a, that's Studio Trigger. Like they have a very specific style. They really use a ton of colors and like the way they place the camera and the way characters move is really exaggerated and strange. Mm. And like people make these big, huge movements and like. Uh, they did one of the Star Wars animated shorts recently as well. Oh, do you remember which one? It was the one about the twins. I okay, think. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and it's just they just their action is just like really cool and interesting and uh, well done. Like it's it's really cool. Like I when they announced Edge Runners and they announced it was Trigger, like that was enough for me to kind of like raise an eyebrow and be like, oh, this this is going to be cool. I want to check this out and see what this looks like. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other instances where like ancillary media has really boosted the sales of the game in a huge way like witcher 
Witcher. Like Witcher yeah. 3 is, is the big example, which is weird that it's both CD Projekt Red, but like were people running out and playing more Sonic games with the success of those Sonic movies? Like it, it didn't feel like it from my vantage point at no, least, right? I, I think there's not a like um a, a clear place to go is the thing. Right. Like, where would right. you go? It's not like there was just a Sonic game out. Well, Sonic um, Origins, I guess, is what they were hoping for right. late last year. I feel right? like it was it was probably the same thing with Detective Pikachu. I don't think a lot of people went out and bought that either. Oh, definitely not. No, because that 3DS yeah. game was pretty old <laughs> at that point, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of just other examples where it just gets this huge boost. I mean, stuff like the Resident Evil shows, all those are being cranked out uh, eight ways to Sunday, and it seems like... I don't know how many... But didn't those get canceled, too? Yeah, and well... didn't people say they were on good? I, I was confused, because the first I review I saw for that show about Wesker's kids or whatever on Netflix, I think, like, Polygon gave it, like, a A-plus or something, and then every other place is like, this is a travesty. <laughs> so I don't know what was going on. Just one person on Polygon yeah. loved it, which I know. skewed Different my perspective. People. Different people. The entertainment editor at GameSpot, uh, Chris Hayner, he liked it, too. Um, but, like, I don't... Yeah, it was weird. It just dropped off the map. But, yeah, I think because Witcher... I mean, even though there are multiple Witcher games, like Witcher 3 is just like the one, you yeah. know, and Cyberpunk is like there's the one. I mean, right. I guess you could say the same thing about like League of Legends and Dota and stuff. Like there's a singular entity to go, but it's like, I don't yeah. know, they're multiplayer games, so it feels a little mm-hmm. different. It's, it is, yeah, it's, it's what The Matrix was trying to do, um, arguably unsuccessfully, um, but they've, I don't know, they pulled it off here. And it's like, it doesn't feel, um, pandering either like it feels like i said it feels like a proper sort of alternate look into this world and i like it it's it's they're both good in different ways yeah i mean it's a good point with with league i mean i guess arcane probably boosted league numbers in some way um but it just maybe didn't have a big impact or i didn't see that press release or whatever the hell but yeah so uh c project red announced on wednesday that they have sold 20 million copies of cyberpunk thanks to the boost from this anime now at this point. This is total. But just for a frame of reference, I mean, looking it up, maybe these numbers are a little bit old, but according to Wikipedia at least, like Red Dead Redemption 1 sold 23 million. So the fact that like Red Dead Redemption 1 is that close to Cyberpunk 2077 now is, is pretty wild just for the success of this thing. So make a great anime for Netflix is the takeaway, I think, if you want your game to sell well after a troubled launch. Crazy. It's Unless back, you're everybody. Dragon's Dogma. That's right. That's right. Which, I don't know. I guess no one really got super excited about that anime was the problem. <laughs> yeah. God, I didn't hear one person talk about that. Yeah, I think Dragon's Dogma fans just wanted a sequel. <laughs> like okay. they were, that's, like, that's all they wanted. Yeah. Uh, hey, Kyle, real quick. There's also um, a Netflix game because now that we're a gaming podcast, we're going to be talking about Netflix a lot, which is a weird world. <laughs> I guess so. yeah. um, but the De- Netflix of gaming. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Desta, The Memories Between is a game that you played. Has anybody else checked this thing out? I remember Brian Shea being very high on it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because it's from the developers of Monument Valley? Correct. US 2. Okay. Um, and and Us 2? I think it's Us 2. I don't know. Yeah, but it's good, Kyle? Yeah, I like it. My review... my, My... GameSpot review, I gave it a, a seven, which on GameSpot scale is is good, is how they define a seven. And it, but the thing I like about it is it's like it's a strange idea that I think it, like while you're playing it works really well. The idea is like you're dream, you're having these anxiety dreams about um, having sort of confrontations with people from your past, um, and the way that sort of manifests is like you play this strategy game uh, where you're throwing dodgeballs at your enemies, which means <laughs> you can like. Yeah, like you can bounce <laughs> dodgeballs around corners and you can like throw them to teammates. And it like it, it works as like a solid strategy game. And then there's this sort of layer of like, you know, 
it's it's a way of like having conversations that you don't want to have in your dreams it's it's very strange it like sounds weird on paper but like while you're playing you're kind of like yeah this this feels relatable and i understand it (laughs) so it's i definitely relate to that maybe not the dodgeball (laughs) thing but anxiety dreams um okay so we have to put in the pantheon of dodgeball games that have come out recently yeah dodgeball academia desta yep and then knockout city Knockout City. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dodgeball is so hot right now. Uh, I mean, are you going to be talking about it at the end of the year? Or where is this thing? Is it just like another fine little mobile experience? Thanks, Netflix. Or is it really... I'm trying to figure out the, the scope of this thing. Yeah, you know, honestly, I mean, not to be dismissive, but I, I think that's about where I'm at is the latter. Yeah. Like, it's it's cool. It's it's worth checking out if you like strategy games in particular. Like, it's actually not my genre. Typically, I'm not like the biggest strategy fan. Yeah. But I had a good time with this. And it is, it's free with your Netflix subscription. And right. then it is also coming to other platforms a little bit later. I think it's coming to Switch and PC as well. Gotcha. Shango but Congo. yeah, good, good writing, good uh, performance. Um, from the characters and then like an interesting strategy game. Sweet. Um, but then it's like it's got some like the the things that sort of knock it back a little bit is like it's its structure is roguelike uh, which is which is cool. I've, I've certainly become more of a fan of that genre but like the problem is you end up having like like repeated conversations with the same characters and they only change oh. a little bit each time and okay. I mean they do change like you're not having the exact same conversations but they don't change enough to really feel like from a story perspective that the characters are really growing and changing. Right. Um, right. So that's sort of like the one, um, sort of, you know, couple of knocks against it, but it's cool and it looks great and it sounds great. Desta is the name of that thing. Uh, Shango Congo watching us live at the backstage past here. They say, if you can dodge a ball, you can dodge anxiety. <laughs> much better way to put it. change that to my review headline. Yeah, it's really much better than anything we could do. Um, Jill, you're excited to talk more about tunic. I 100% am, and speaking of games that are definitely coming up in the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> you never stop screaming on the Game Informer Show podcast. I about, like, This is going to take down Elden Ring. Everybody get ready for Tunic, because I love it so much. And then you left Game Informer, and you're still hoping that somebody will carry that torch there, but ain't yeah. nobody gonna chill. I legitimately <laughs> so have several times <laughs> reached funny. out and threatened. Straight yep. up threatened Okay, people. I'm well. like, if you don't talk about this at the end of the year... I'm coming for you. Yeah, normally we shy away from threats on the internet, but in this case, I think it's it's worthy. Um, Absolutely. Because what, what's he on that? <laughs> Tunic is out on Switch and PlayStation. Switch and PlayStation. Yep. Okay. Uh, it came out yesterday. Um, as soon as it came out, it came out March 16th of this year, I believe. Um, it was on PC and it came out on Xbox. Yeah. Um, and it is still on Game Pass. If I am remembering that correctly so go check it out if you have game pass um yeah tunic just for a refresher everybody this is the game that uh has a beautiful look you play as a little fox and it's very early zelda inspired but in 3d and it looks like a little cute model that you just want to reach out and pet the fox in you so do and you start out the game and he just yawns and then goes on an adventure and i love it um yeah, so this is there when it released, it was one of the f- most questioned thing that I got. It was like, is this coming to Switch? Because it right. looks so Switch. It's switchy. And obviously having those uh, Zelda inspirations means that it really should land on the Switch. I did um, put my impressions up on the Indian former. Check that out. Um I, and unfortunately, right now for the Switch, if you've got any other option, I would say go with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
not that it's terrible, but um, the game is, it's such a beautiful game. The art style is simplistic, but like vibrant and crisp. And when you're playing it on PC, you're just looking at things like, oh, that's so good. Give me more of that bright blue. Give me more of those soothing greens. <laughs> um, but on the Switch, there's an unfortunate thing. And, I, and they may patch this, and I really hope that that it does get a little better. But there are certain um, shadows that, like, the lines of walls uh, underneath bushes or whatever, that just wiggle. Oh, it that's is so bizarre because it Weird. gives you like the whole thing kind of looks fuzzy and like it's moving constantly. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could play through this whole thing without getting real distracted. Um, but it performs adequately, you know, like okay. it's the switch. It's not as powerful as any other thing. But if the switch is all you have or you want a portable option and you don't have, say, like a Steam Deck, uh I still recommend playing this just for the experience of this game because I do love Tunic so much. It is, to me, the experience of playing a game in a game. It is all about going back and being a kid again and not knowing exactly what you're supposed to do or how anything works. But because I am a game player and very interested in how games work, you sort of know everything you need to know without a lot of explanation yeah the the booklet the instruction manual which is the core and heart of this game i love so much tells you literally everything you need to know without saying anything because it's all written 100 percent in a language that's totally made up that's so cool uh, so if you're watching and you're looking for it you you get things and you're like oh i got it and that Feeling is something that you don't get a lot, especially for the jaded media types uh, like me, <laughs> Yep. where you've seen everything really? and you've done everything. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I know that on this panel, I'm 100% the odd duck out here because I love it so much. Um, oh, I like the game a lot, too. Uh, is Hanson the only one? To, does Kyle, do you not like this game? Does Kyle didn't like no, it as much as he should. I would like not say I, I would never go as far as say I don't like the game. I just certainly am not reaching the same heights like I, I i thought it was good i love that game i think it i think that game is in many ways very brilliant my only beef with that game is i don't think the combat feels that great and it gets mm. really hard at parts but then you can just knock it down to ease. like i see the chat right. going back and forth on oh it got too hard for me knock it down to i put all yeah. that i reviewed it knock i put it all down. that invincibility mode it's so good it. invincibility mode fantastic don't put invincibility mode on the final boss because you will miss half the game <laughs> like a lot of people did this and then didn't realize that there was a whole section of the game because you need to be killed by the last boss. That's a, a good, a good note for everybody. Um, yeah, it's very, um, Fez like in the way it kind of doles out yes. the mysteries of the world and stuff, which, uh, genuinely wasn't until the middle of this discussion that I remember like, Oh yeah, Kyle, we did that, uh, interview <laughs> with the right, programmer yeah. for Fez talking to the creator of Tunic all about just creating secrets okay, and games. It's on, Kyle. <gasps> way to go, Kyle. Oh, it's on okay. MinMax's YouTube channel. If you want to check that out or in our bonus podcast feed as well, but Tunic everybody available everywhere. It's game of the year or else is Jill's yes. message. That is my message. Okay. 100%. Message received. Uh, Janet, I, I'm curious, um, how you doing? And I'm curious about that experience that you had going to that Final Fantasy concert. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm doing good. Okay, good. The Final Fantasy concert was awesome, which I figured it would be. Um, admittedly, it's like, like many introverts, I'm like, yeah, I'll go to this. 
And like the day started approaching, I'm like, man, I gotta like it's Blackfest, you know, I gotta get put on a nice shirt and stuff. I'm like, this this is too much, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but you know, still, still got the W for Team Gear. By the way, shout out to my gearheads, held it down. That's right. That's right. No one believed in us. First dub of Splatoon three. Let's go. Many hours. (laughs) Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, and then I also was like, oh, wow, we only got the one ticket, which I was excited for, but I was bummed I couldn't bring anyone else. So like my family dropped me off there. It was very much like high school vibes. I'm like, drop me, mom, come pick me up. Right. But I got dropped off. Um, and like, I knew it was going to be awesome though, because I mean, it's an incredible, like, I think team of musicians that they have in Final Fantasy, like, I don't I haven't played a lot of Final Fantasy games, but I know that it has incredible music. Yeah. So like, this is going to be awesome. But that's um, I think that's I, like, amazing to go to a concert when you haven't really played too much of the games. And just I, I'm amazed, like, Kyle, can you think of any game series that you'd want to go to a concert if you haven't played too many of the games? Like without that nostalgia, I think that's a real testament. Sword and sorcery. Okay. All right. You know, I take it back. But that's testament <laughs> to the quality of the music that you're oh, still fantasy. like, you know, no, it's worth it's worth going to <laughs> and just soaking in the music. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the score is just, I feel like it's not for debate, right? It's one of the most iconic franchises yeah. for music of all time, next to, I guess, Zelda, which also has one of those kind of concerts at tours. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it was really fun going um, for background for me and my, like, I guess, musical history. Um, you know, I, I play piano. My brother was a musician by trade for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I'm from Chicago, so I have seen the Chicago Symphony Orchestra perform before, but I hadn't been to a classical music concert in like six years or something. Sure. So it'd been a while. Um, definitely, I think a must go experience if you like classical music because the vibe is so different. Um, you know, not to lean into stereotypes, but definitely it's it's less stuffy of a vibe, which is weird for um, a classical performance. Like you'll have people like laugh during it because, you know, the music can be humorous. You know, music can be humorous, sad, funny, whatever. I'd imagine it's like, hey, here's a chocobo theme. Yeah. Yeah. Like there'll be. Well, there, there was a scene on screen that happened. It was like a battle. Um, and I'm sure people that know Final Fantasy really well might know. Oh, this is that scene in this game. I don't know all of that. But it was, um you know, a battle where one of the characters like physically picks up and drops down like a train yeah the final fantasy six yep yes exactly it's a very emotional moment <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was and storytelling happens, and the way they pair it with the score was just so funny and everyone like let out a little laugh and not that you're not allowed to like laugh or clap at a traditional performance but it's just a little bit more muted while this one you know the um conductor will be like do we have any Final Fantasy 14 fans? People are like, what? They're like, I'm going to play this thing from Final Fantasy 6. And people would just be like, whoa, Final Fantasy, that's the song. You know, like <laughs> it, it'd be a little bit like lightly rowdier, which I think is yeah. fun. It's people like, you know, excited about something that they have a high passion for. You know, you'll see people come in and they're wearing their cosplay or like their outfits that are like inspired by the characters. And honestly, like sitting down to like, even here and maybe it's also just you know it's been a while since i've gone to like many shows too especially with the pandemic like just hearing that first like entry point after what song they opened with but i honestly wanted to cry because it was so beautiful it was so beautifully done um and yeah it was an incredible performance and um one thing i want to shout out too is just like how much work had to go into putting something like that together because as i you know i had a lesson actually earlier that day and i asked my brother hey do you think the musicians are nervous for tonight you know like any other music. And he's like, oh, definitely, because they probably haven't practiced this as much as they have maybe other performances. You know, yeah. if you're performing 
something a little bit more traditional, you're probably playing that like all the time throughout the year. Like, you know it, you know, you got to know it, know it, you know, it in your sleep, you know, it if you're drunk, you know, it at any, any given time, there's no warming up, you know, it. It's like, but you have to know it like that when you're performing like that, especially like at a concert like that. There are people in the crowd that live, breathe this score. They know the score really well. They're going to know if you mess up like so they probably had to really kind of crunch it out to like get it ready. And the conductor did mention that. I mean, he didn't say they crunched, but he's like, they practiced a lot with a little amount of time, which yeah. is the same thing, right? Um, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, they, they had um, one of the composers there when they brought out like the, it's like the kind of thing where they brought out the, or- like um, uh, the, f- the choir at one point. And when they turned the lights on, we saw there was a choir there. People were like, woo, you know, like r- getting They know it's going to be good. The, for a choir. Yeah, they know yeah, One Winged Angel's like, coming or something. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, and I think it being paired with the, the visuals that you get is a very unique experience that you really only get at those kind of classical performances. So I definitely yeah. think if you are a fan of live music in that way and or a fan of video games and or a fan of Final Fantasy, like... It is worth going to like, again, I'm not a huge fan of the franchise. I've only really played seven remake in a few games here and there. Yeah, but I I loved it and it was an awesome experience. And yeah, I'm glad I went. Yeah, I saw you, you tweet about like, oh, I kind of want to play all these games now, which is oh, very yeah. ambitious. I, wanted, I was ready to like go into the wormhole, even though I'm like, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm like, I want to play all of these. You'd like, be so bored. You'd be so bored. It, I love them dearly, but I don't you shouldn't do that. Um, I mean, unless you want to be really the most hardcore person here, but How do you love them the host them boring? I don't, um, I love them, but considering I have Is a lot like of Kingdom love... Hearts where people are like, I love Kingdom Hearts. Don't play it. Don't play it. <laughs> no. Don't do that. I mean, it's like my death stranding recommendation. I mean, there's I more it. final fantasies in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. So, so you know, it's a little yeah, bit tougher. Like, so. I, I just think like, I, I think of you playing, you know, Return to Monkey Island, you know, you found that a little bit dry. So I'm like, I can't imagine you going back to Final Fantasy 1 and being like, this rips, you know? It's like, but I mean, highlights here and there, you should totally jump to. Um, but uh, yeah, you should just play that Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm game that's coming out on Switch, I think like early next year, the final it's bar like line. The sound is cool though. But yeah, that, I yeah. mean, that does seem fun. You're not going to get the street cred for it, but if you just want to like interact with those songs, because yeah, we didn't talk about it on the show, but that thing coming out uh, has 385 songs in it. And then they have a premium digital deluxe edition because video games are cool now. And it has 502 songs, including songs from like the Saga series and Nier and Octopath Traveler and Live Alive. Like they just packed in like as many square bangers as they could into this thing. So I'm curious to check that out when it, when it finally releases there. Oh, um, I guess last thing too, um, a few people did say hello to me and then say that they were fans and stuff. Oh, really? The show. So thank you for, yeah. So thank you for saying hello and uh, listening to our content. That's very sweet. Honestly, though, do you think you're more likely to play Crisis Core? I know you did that preview that we talked about in Party Chat uh, last week. Are you more likely to play Crisis Core now because this concert's kind of got you primed? Um, A little bit, but it, God, it's such a time sink. I just got to get my life together. I'm a mess behind the scenes with what am I playing. Okay. I have no idea what I'm playing because I just resurfaced from God of War. So I haven't thought about anything but God of War and Team Gear for the last like five Team days. Gear. <laughs> Team Gear is my game of the year. Um. Kyle, do you think um, if we did a Twitter poll and said which franchise in total has the better soundtrack, Zelda or Final Fantasy, what do you think would win? Final oh. Fantasy. Okay, good. I was I was ready for, to fight you for that, but I think that's correct. I think Zelda I think might, I might win, but it's because it. people like Zelda more. Yeah, I like Zelda yeah, like I would a lot for more. Zelda. You would? But. Yeah. All right, I'll do that poll. I'm curious to see how that, that shakes out. Um, hey, it's Kyle. easier to sing the songs from Zelda too than it is from Final Fantasy, and that yeah, that's true. Sticks in people's minds more. That is true. They maybe are 
catchier in a way. Um, I know mm-hmm. this is impossible for somebody who isn't a big fan of the entire franchise, but do you remember what they closed with at the concert? Okay. Oh, no okay. way. There's no way in hell. I don't remember anything of any of the specifics. I'm just like, this you, sounds really good. Okay. Do you remember like the big iconic song? Well, one of a dozen from Final Fantasy VII is One Winged Angel, which is the big Sephiroth fight music where it's just, it sounds like Latin. It's like, many, many, many. Yeah, Did they yeah, close they with that, that or was that early on? Sephiroth there. Okay, it was probably so. a lot of Sephiroth. That wasn't the closer, though? They saved that towards the beginning or something? I don't, I, I, I know it sounds, okay. I literally nope, would have that's no fine, way of that's knowing. Fine, that's fine, that's fine, no judgment here. Um, I did record some clips, though, that maybe, maybe I'll post them on social because I recorded yeah. some of my, um, one, just I want to capture some elements of the show while also still being like present there, and two, there was... There were a few songs that I was really enjoying, and I'm like, let me get a little clip of this because I just want to be able to like point to it later. So maybe I'll post those on social. There we go. So no judgment. Uh, Kyle, you want to talk about Shovel Knight Dig, dude? Yeah, briefly. Are you um, digging it? I am digging it. Uh, it's good. <laughs> Can it's, you feel um, it, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> it's an Apple Arcade game. It's another one. I think it's out on other platforms already. It's on so. Steam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Switch. Um, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. I've been playing it at the, the iPhone version with a controller with a backbone. Um, and, uh, I like it. It's, it's the most fun I've had with Shovel Knight since the, the original game. Cause like everything up to now, the spinoffs and everything, nothing's really clicked with me despite being interested in them and excited about them. Like the puzzle game uh, from late last year, I, yeah. I actually was really excited about it. And then I kind of just like, eh, I don't know, this isn't really working for me, but this feels like, you know, like a Shovel Knight action platformer and it's, it's a roguelike and it's, uh, it's cool. You, you dig your way down. Uh, fighting enemies and bosses and things like that and yeah. you know you make your when you die you go back to the surface and you have money that you get to spend it's not a complete reset every time which i always appreciate um and then you know there are different like power-ups and stuff you can get along the way and it it like um i was actually talking to yacht club a little bit and i, I even said i was like you guys almost could have called this shovel knight 2 like why didn't you call it shovel knight 2 and and well they, their response was that it's because it's a prequel <laughs> that seems fair. And it's also not made by them internally. They're obviously very hands-on and involved, but it was a different uh, developer that made oh, it. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, um, Shovel Knight, as much as it's kind of beloved and we all like that original game a lot, I feel like, am I alone in just kind of losing the thread of like, wait, what's DLC? What's standalone? Because there's like Shovel Knight, King of Cards, Shovel Knight, uh, Showdown, Specter of Torment, Plague of Shadows, Pocket Dungeon. And Pocket Dungeon, that was the puzzle game, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that is just kind of DLC on that original game. So I kind of lose track of if this is a big deal. And Shovel Knight Dig seems like, hey, it's a rogue style game. I'm sorry. Just a rogue game as we're calling it from here on out. Um, but it, it is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I do get confused. Because the other thing about that DLC <laughs> that's confusing is I, I, I played it on 3DS, you know? And it's like it would be, in, in, it would, and only an insane person would go track down their 3DS to buy DLC right. for a game and play it again. But it is on other platforms. Well, wait a minute. Point. So I mean, Lee found on the backstage pass. He's saying that I am crazy. I am alone. Everything is a separate game. So these are all separate games. So yeah. Plague of Shadows. Okay, so they're just like smaller standalone okay. experiences. Okay, the King it's of Cards. Like a lot of Shovel Knight games. Yeah. Okay. I, I also asked them, its own thing. Okay. I also asked them why Shovel Knight is in so much stuff. <laughs> why he's like he was an Arby's toy and he's like in every game ever. Right, right. And uh, their response was that they think it's funny. Hmm. <laughs> Makes <laughs> them laugh. Regular, okay, wait, how did you literal, Do you have how you literally asked it though? Was it like that or was it a little 
Uh, I can. I'll find the recording. I guess if <laughs> I'll clip it out. <laughs> send me. Yeah, send the. Hot yeah, we'll send me the audio violence while you do that. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, take your time. Okay. We got a place to be. Mm -hmm. Hey, Moonscars, everybody! Uh, another game that Kyle played briefly. This is a well, Metroid Kyle's pro gamer game. over here. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I did want to touch on Moonscars briefly. It's 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 very it's a like a two D action game. It, it feels very inspired by From games. Um, in okay. that it, it's challenging, and when you die, you can go recover your stuff. And there's a lot of jargon thrown at you, you know, that I don't understand. But it, I'm supposed to know what it means, but I, I don't know what it means. And maybe at some point in the future, I will understand what it means. But that, it, from a story perspective, it's, it's very confusing. Um, but some, some highlights I want to bring. It looks yeah. cool. It's got this very cool, uh, pixelated style to it. It's it. it it's when I say pixelated, it's like you kind of think of that like 16 bit. It's mm -hmm. not 16 it's bit. Like, it's, it, it's it's almost like hard to define, right? It's like yes. a really a pixel. It's like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it feels huh. like painted with pixels in a strange way. Um, but the other thing that got me immediately excited is that it has um, a Mega Man X mechanics in that you can dash a lot and you can jump against walls to climb higher. Oh, um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play this a bunch more. Yeah, so it, seems, it feels good. It feels I, I want to keep playing. I'm playing on Steam Deck. Uh, it's it seems interesting. It's it's very dark and strange. Yeah, Moon Scars. It's a confusing time for this game to come out because Moonbreaker is also out today, which is the next game from Unknown Worlds, like the Subnautica team, and that's that kind of uh, more tactics game that's very inspired by tabletop stuff. Um, but then it's a confusing time for Moon Scars to come out because the name of the developer of Moon Scars is Black Mermaid. Which, after the release of that first Little Mermaid trailer, I just did a Google trend search for "quote unquote" Black Mermaid, oh, skyrocketed no. over the last month because of the Little Mermaid trailer. So it's like, what a weird time for this. Mm -hmm. If they ever could have foreseen that, I guess it's a good thing for them. Who knows? Um, let's see. Hey, Jill, do you know how this whole thing operates? This whole uh, Minmax thingy. No, but I bet you're going to tell me. I will. And the way that it <laughs> operates, the whole reason we're here to begin with, the whole reason we don't have to worry about lightning bolts and lightning strikes and mass layoffs is because of patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. You all have built this either by sharing the show, listening to the show, watching the show, or by directly supporting the show. No middlemen in between by going to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. We appreciate everybody going there, checking out a benefit that fits what works for them and thank you to some of minmax's biggest supporters people like i am 8-bit they want you to know about we are ofk they have a physical edition of the game on playstation 5 and the nintendo switch and then also the vinyl soundtrack is available as well at i am 8-bit's wonderful online store the physical version of the game also has a papercraft version of the cat which is very cute but if you go to i am 8-bit's wonderful online store you can use the promo code lunchmeat no space lunch meat to get 10% off everything under $100. It's just one of the coolest gaming stores on the internet, so please check them out. Check them out. Uh, I am 8bit.com, everybody. There's a link below if you want to show them some love because they have shown us a lot of support and love for many years now, and they help support the community directly by also shipping out a prize each and every week. Whoever submits the best question over on Patreon, if you're at the $2 tier, you can submit a question. Then we're going to choose our number one tippy-top favorite, and that person will win a prize from IM8-Bit. And this week, the winner actually wins a copy of We Are OFK. 
on the Nintendo Switch. Funny how that all works, so it's a hot, fresh new game on the Nintendo Switch. I'm 8-Bit exclusive, so get ready for that. Alright, ready to keep in mind each and every great question from the community? Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay, here we go. Here's how this works. Uh, Shazara writes in and says, Hey folks, I'm writing in because of the presence of indie expert Jill Grote, but I guess you all have experience on this. How do you folks in games media keep track of what games are releasing when? Is it publisher press emails? Is there a super secret maintained Google calendar somewhere? Do you keep your own personal lists? What's happening? If there was a Google calendar, Ben wouldn't use it. Um, I mostly- <laughs> this is slender and I will not stand for it. Um, I actually just wanted to get in that uh, shaded bed. So actually, I want to hear Jill kick it off since you are the Indian farmer. I am the Indian farmer. Um, I have a uh, a little schedule that I'm starting on my website, and it's nowhere mm. near done. And every time I look at it, I'm like, it's woefully incomplete. Um, but I keep having to do things like play video games. Um, so at some point, I will sit down. But for the most part, it is. I was having a conversation recently with people who are in the industry, but not uh, media. And they were like, is there no IMDb equivalent? Like, they were absolutely, like, shocked that there, yeah. there's literally nothing. There's nothing out there. You can look at things like Game Informer has a fantastic yeah. list. Which is just um, GameInformer.com slash 2022 or whatever year yes. it is. And is that is that still just Margaret Andrews over there that's putting those Marcus in? Marcus does a lot of that, actually. Marcus does? Um, mm -hmm, okay. Putting that up. Awesome. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I use. But yeah, the, the, the list is usually just um, for any site. A lot of sites have these. Um, but they usually are things that the site itself is interested in. It's not every single game so like the best way is to look at those check twitter twitter a lot of the times is where you're getting a lot of that information yeah um and if you are interested in a game go to that game's website go to that press kit that they've got and write it down in your own little like list on your phone yeah which janet you're big into gg aren't you that app mm -hmm. oh yeah is that how That's you keep track good. of yeah. stuff coming up too or is that just stuff you've played that's pretty much how you keep track of stuff coming up okay. um i so I do a combination of things, um, and it's funny because Blessing um, from Kind of Funny just tweeted about this as well. Like, how do you guys see what games are coming out? Maybe he wrote in. I don't know. Probably not because it's a different name. Right? Um, but sounds I, like Blessing. I hit up releases.com, or I just found out about releases.com, so I'm going to start looking at that. Releases.com. Um, releases.com. Mm -hmm. Everybody um, starts writing it down. Yeah, yeah somebody in his replies shouted that out. So I for, it'll be my first time using it, but that looks pretty comprehensive. Damn. There's, of course, um, Metacritic has upcoming games, so I look at that. I do look at Game Informers as well. Um, and then I independently also will track a couple games and maybe periodically check in on them with, with especially with like some smaller titles that can be tough because the marketing isn't always as in your face. Like, you know, even with that, we still didn't remember when God of War came out. Right. So right, it's, it's right. hard to keep track of it all um, on GG app. I'll make my own personal list of upcoming games 2022 with dates. And that is only stuff that has dates. And I list that in order of the dates. And I have the paid version of the service where you can add notes. That's like a feature that is right now only for paid users. Huh. So I write down the date of those games and then I'll delete reorder as it goes. Then I have a list that's separate. That's um, like games with 2022 window. I have a 2023 window and then I have a 2023 calendar. So then Oof. I keep kind of periodically updating some of those. And every week I just do a quick search 
for all of the on all those places because every Friday um, I am playing some type of new release. So I usually hit up those to see what am I going to be playing for this week? You know, do I already have it? Do I need to request it? Do I need to buy it? Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what I do. So to some degree, I'm looking at these kinds of lists on a week to week basis. And that's how I keep up with them. Yeah. Those are good tips. Uh, Dan from Canada writes and says, Hey, with God of War Ragnarok and Tears of the Kingdom coming soon, I see people replaying their predecessors a lot. Is it just me or does that scare you? I hold the originals in such high regard that I worry about tarnishing those perfect gaming experiences. Do you like to replay your favorite gaming experiences? Or like me, is it mostly just one and done? I I feel this and I hear you, Dan, from Canada. Um, You know, I played God of War on PC when it came out, but I just streamed like the first two hours and was reminded about just the opening of that game and how good it was. But I am kind of scared to go back to Breath of the Wild. I mean, for a game that I love that much, I probably put a lot less time into it than a lot of other people. I mean, under 60 hours, I would say, for Breath of the Wild, which I think is sacrilegious to people who also love that game. Um, I finished it, but still. And so I'm kind of scared to go back to that one in particular just because of the tech issues. I worry that like every frame drop is going to be screaming in my face at this point. Um, And maybe that'll be the case for Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know, but I get that. I get the fear. I... I, I like to go back and play old things, not necessarily to finish them. Like I like going back and like playing through the beginning again. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 my original memories are never tarnished by replaying something. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like I certainly will play games that I loved uh, today and be like, Oh wow, this, this is, does not hold up well, but that doesn't really make me think any less of the, the, you know, the sort of amazing time I had for it in the past. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's just like a state of mind. You have to convince yourself you agree with or something. You don't <laughs> Nothing know. shall change. I don't know. Uh, true fan writes in uh, and they say, hey, Min Max, uh, please help settle this one for my wife and I. This is interesting. Oh, no. That's, interesting. Oh, you always know you're in a good place when you're turning mm-hmm. to the podcast to help settle something. Yep, we're the arbiter of sanity around here. Um, do you wash your new clothes before you wear, wear them? Oh. Because to me, there's no better feeling than a pair of fresh undies right off the store shelves. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh, dangerous. I should wash them, but I'll be honest, I don't necessarily. Really? Um, yeah. I'm just like, you know what? If I die, I die. Like, I don't... <laughs> but I do... Sh- but I do... Sh- it's communal. Like, um, I'm not gonna lie. It is gross. I don't wash them, but I don't. I don't. I gotta be honest. I it's can't lie on the gross. internet. It's not that um, gross. I do ask, though, for communal stuff. Like, me and my boyfriend recently got some new towels, and I'm like, do we want to wash these first? Do you yeah. care? He's like, I don't care. It's fine. And I'm well, like, all right, cool. I like, think I just... I... I'm not grossed out by much. I'm fine with whatever. But, um... Yeah, like I underwear in a store licked. in a long time. Yeah. I probably would wash underwear, but interesting. Um, or Anson once suits licked suits. a floor covered in chocolate and hair. Uh, I think. <laughs> oh, Kyle, yeah, I Kyle, this that. is a public podcast. Yeah, Please, you cannot. Five second rule and just <laughs> for like an hour. Stop. Stop. Right. stop him. All right, all right, everybody. Um, but no, I think I just got used to washing their clothes because everyone would always tell me like, "Oh, it'll change size a lot." Like, I don't know if I'm buying that many 100% cotton things, but in my mind, I need to wash it just so I have a better sense of how it'll fit when I'm actually serious about wearing it. But that's why I don't usually wash my clothes, because I want at least one wear of it as, like, perfect and pristine and, like, the size I intended it to be before I throw it in the wash, and then it's too shrunk to wear to wear or it's messed yeah. up or something. There's chaos at that point. You don't know what's coming out of that What dumb, yeah. dumb question. 
Help me, Internet. What percentage of clothes change size when you wash them? I mean, for like just stupid clothes like I buy. Do I need to be I worried about that? I think a small that? percentage. Unless yeah. you're like buying really fancy stuff that like no. has detailed like wash needs. Mm-hmm. Jenna, Which you, I recently you've seen what did I wear. in Amsterdam and I threw those in the wash with no regard for how I was supposed to take care of them. They oh, all came no. out okay. Oh, really? It's okay. a big nice. joke, right? This shirt is dry clean only. That means it's dirty. <laughs> Excellent. Good job, Mitch. Coming back. Coming, he's coming back to life, y'all. Back. Uh, everybody, leave a comment with your favorite Mitch Hedberg joke, please. We appreciate it. Um, Chris Logan writes in and says, "All right, Ben. Kyle, what's, who's your favorite comedian of all time?" Oh God, that Ooh. is a tough question. I, I have favorites at the moment, yeah. right? Like Nate Bargatze, I think, is one of my favorites currently. Right. But man, all time. That's, that's, I'd have to think about that. You can't put me on the spot with that. Okay, great. Sorry. Uh, definitely was ever. Chris Logan writes in and says, All right, Ben, you asked about body hair last week. <laughs> this podcast is weird. Turns out we grow armpit hair to prevent our underarm from becoming airtight when our arms are lowered. This would create a breeding ground for bacteria, which is unhygienic and gross. How, what about people who shave their armpits then? Are they just naturally more bacteria filled? No, I mean, you still have, well, the thing is, so the way you evolve, like it doesn't, you don't necessarily need all the stuff that you evolved with to survive. So I think okay. that's like, I mean, you're washing your armpits yeah, and you use right. like other stuff. Okay. Also, you're still growing that hair. Usually, unless you get maybe laser hair removal and stop the growth entirely. Yeah. No good. Um, how much nose hair you got these days, Kyle? <laughs> A lot, actually. Is that the question? Yeah. I you're, think that's just Ben's question. Sometimes I'll pull what? singular long ones that get uh, that that oh you know, they're like two way. feet it's like long. You're out of here. Like, it's painful. It's like a Sometimes clown scarf involved. Man, mental images I don't need. All right. Um, you ever seen a grown man naked, Kyle? Okay, let's move on. Uh, David Dubs writes in and says, "Hey guys, uh, what Smash Brothers character would have their original game improved?" Okay, stick with this because I read this first and I was like, I don't understand this question, but I think it's very good. Okay. What Smash Brothers character would have their original game improved if they carried over their powers from Smash? This is inspired by a gif that was on Reddit, apparently, of, like, Mario in Mario 1 if he had all of his Smash moves and just, like, (laughs) dunking on Goombas, which is excellent. Um, But, yeah, what is the answer? Which game would be better if they just one-for-one carried their moves over from Smash? Um, I like this question uh, because I am a Fox main and I just want a good Star Fox game. So you wish that, like, because in Star Fox Adventures, he couldn't do the, like, fire! Like the B-up move from Smash, from what I recall, Yeah, right? that would be fantastic. Okay. If he could just go around and, like, super mega kick everybody and yep. put up a little shield at all times. Yep, grab those just items. Just give it to me. Yep, I think the uh, shield would be helpful. climbers would actually be fun. It's a great point. That's I thought of ice climbers too, but I'm like, I, I hate them in the game and their stage. So actually, I don't think there's any saving ice climbers. Yeah. Ice climbers is objectively bad everywhere. It's only bad and less bad. I mean, I guess just having the shield in Zelda would be kind of cool. Like by that, I mean like the full bubble shield instead of just the standard. Say you have a shield. Yeah, but it's not like a cool full body Zelda bubble shield. We only played 60 hours of Breath of the Wild, so maybe he didn't get the shield. Yeah, that is true. Um, I think like... Um, having the be over for Yoshi in a Yoshi platformer where you're in the egg and you can roll around, I think that would be helpful. And I don't think that's in any Yoshi platformers that I know of, at least. Um, this is uh, excellent. Earthbound wouldn't feel so stiff. Right, right. Just run around as Ness. Also, yeah, it'd be fun to have that as kind of like a way to travel around faster as you can do the, the PK Thunder and then 
the classic smash <laughs> of going in a circle and just kind of launch yourself a direction for speed runners of Earthbound and stuff. That'd be good. Uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. That's, that's a fun hypothetical. Uh, Mike McCullough writes in and says, Good day, y'all. After watching and really enjoying Kelsey Lewin's new show, Collector Corner, it got me thinking about all of the missed opportunities I had in the past to either start or continue building collections of my own. From silly things like pogs from the 90s that I wish I still had to show my teenage daughter, <laughs> I promise she'd be bored. I'm sorry. Um, to more personal gaming collections like having most of the physical copies of the mainline Final Fantasy games before I foolishly sold them all, did any of you have any collections that you either wish you still had or you wish that you continued expanding upon? Um, to my everlasting shame, my answer is Game Informer magazines. Oh, interesting. Because I started reading when I was in 11 or 12, and I kept every one of them. Um, and it was a really amazing stack of history. Uh, and then, you know, I went to college and moved away, and they stayed in my parents' house, and then my parents moved, and now they're gone. Like, can't say one way or the mm. other what happened to them. Um, so my one time, like, I still have a little, little bits and pieces, uh, from more recent times, but it'd be great to be able to go back and have some of those, like, old game informers, uh, yeah. especially, you know, not knowing that I was going to be involved in it at any point. Um, so that always is the one thing where I'm like, oh, I wish I had kept those. You can probably find a full collection online if you're really... Or feeling too nostalgic but one those day. Those aren't mine. They're gonna have some random dude's name on it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> With the biggest GameStop stickers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, for me, I, I had, remember. I had a basically full, uh, nearly full collection of the Goosebumps books. Kyle, I was going to say the exact same thing. That's oh, wild. Really? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, because I, at some point, my parents asked me, "It's like, hey, can we donate these or something?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. G give those to your local library." But like a year or two ago, I I asked I asked about them because my daughter's like of the age where she reads that kind of book now. Yeah, I was like, I think you might actually like these. These are fun, and like, and but I, but they're gone now at this point. So I hope you can still find some or something. I'm curious how the well they hold up. We were just um on some stream the other day, or maybe it was on party chat. I mean, I think it was party chat. Somebody brought up Monster Blood, and then. Correct me. Do you remember Monster Blood, Kyle? Isn't the premise of Monster yeah. Blood that it just keeps expanding? It's kind of like the blob? I think so. Is that yeah, right? And like, well, that's the cover of all those books were so memorable. Right, right. Those uh, are yeah, the plots. Okay. Yeah, the stairs. It's like dripping down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Abominable Snowman from Pasadena. Is that the name of Beast that one? From the East. Beast from the East was my favorite. Yes, where at the end, the twist that the sister was actually the twin or some nonsense like that. Yeah. And so every, everyone was making fun of Why us for being on the same page in the YouTube comments <laughs> last week, but it, like, it's insane that I said Beast from the East and the thing that you bring up is like, oh, that was the best twist because that was the best twist of the whole series. It was is. The end of that yeah, people don't talk about Beast from the East enough in society. <laughs> Um, speaking of don't talk about it enough, JC Ice writes in and says, Yo, so I'm replaying Final Fantasy VII Remake and following along with the deepest dive y'all did years ago. It's very good, by the way. Thank you, JC. I'm at the part where Cloud helps that old dude and then refuses to help again unless the guy pays 5,000 gil. Y'all were commenting on how Cloud was asking such a high fee. I think y'all missed that he did that to put a fire under the guy and get him out of his funk. The other dude even mentions how he seems more spirited now after that. Yes, it's been two years, but it bugged me and I couldn't comment at the time and defend Cloud. Thank you. 
Um, Cloud has been right. defended. We apologize for attacking Cloud's character. We thought we, he was fleecing this old man, and we didn't take it seriously mm-hmm. enough. Also, just an excellent thing to write in. Yeah, that's right. Defend these video game characters that we attack. Um, Ron, with two N's, writes in and says, Hello, non-Florida residents. Good day. I live Good luck or- with Ian. Yeah, yeah I live right. in Orlando, and Fantastic. I'm preparing for Hurricane Ian. Even though I've lived in Florida since 2005, this will be my first hurricane. I've experienced both tropical storms, which are low-grade hurricanes, and blizzards with lake effect from upstate New York area. Which one do y'all think is worse? Storms by a lot. Wait, tropical storms? Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like, mm. you know, the greatest hurricane, just comparing it to a tropical storm versus a blizzard. So storms, I feel like storms are doing more damage and probably more predictable. Yeah. 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 I mean, but here's the thing. Blizzards are cold, you guys. <laughs> I mean, it's not which would you rather be in, which I think I still would pick blizzard. I mean, yeah. To blizzard- for which one I'd rather be in. It just does less long-term damage potentially. Yep. And blizzards, honestly, if you're inside... They're cozy. I think they're fun. Every time a blizzard's happening, especially now that I'm work from home, I'm looking out my window going, whoa, 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 more, more. I just want like novelty stacks of snow because it's just, it becomes fun at a certain point, unless you're on the road, in which case it's a death trap. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I, I think both of you guys were here when I was interning and you know my feelings about snow. <laughs> well, so, yeah, you no. hate snow as much as you love tunic. I I basically when I got the job at Game Informer, I was like, I'll do anything, but I you can't make me move back to Minnesota. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's cool. Uh, Jason Wojnar writes in and says, Hey, do y'all like thirty minute sitcoms? I guess the cutoff would be like anything pre Seinfeld. Oh, oh, because oh, a modern said- sitcom's twenty two minutes now. I guess that's what they're going for. They say the honeymooners all in the family and night court are three of my favorite TV shows ever. And I'm only 28 years old. Am I a weirdo? No, Jason. No, no you're doing I, fine. Never, I've never heard of those, but you never heard of the fine. honeymooners all in the family. Really, no. Oh, interesting. All in the family I've heard of. Yeah, okay. I'm stand up with Jaden on this one. Like that's pretty before my time. Yeah. Before, I, I read this question. Too, also, what is their question? Are they just, do they have a question? Do you like 30-minute sitcoms? I'm still confused about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I what, is that what the... She-Hulk is? Yeah. yeah um, well, that's confusing. kind of... You know what? I, I want to have a good day today. I don't want to talk about She-Hulk, but... Oh. Um, Wait, are you, have you turned uh, on She-Hulk? I've never been pro She-Hulk. Let's oh, I'm, I'm very thing. pro She-Hulk. I don't do I'm Marvel content. I okay, keep that okay, in okay, for fun. Okay, let's have a good day. Let's I have I a good get, day. I get mad for fun on my private time, I you understand. Know? Um... Yeah, I thought that was this not the question of do you like sitcoms before Seinfeld? Was that not the well? That's question? kind that's of the way I thought. Slack. I that's the way I thought that he's framing it. But I think because Cheers would be one that I'd put on that list. Yeah, then, Cheers, if it's just Seinfeld. Frasier. Frasier. Yeah. Well, well, Frasier's post out before Seinfeld though. Probably no. after. it's mid to post. Yeah, it was after. Yeah. Yeah. I, this question was interesting because like I I, I love sitcoms. Like it's yeah. still my favorite type of television to watch. And um and I did have a moment where I was like, man, did I did I were there a lot that I watched before Seinfeld? And there weren't mm-hmm. a lot. Of, there was like a period of like, as a kid where I watched a lot of Nick at Night. Yeah. Right. So I would watch like mm-hmm. Get Smart and The Monsters totally. and I Love Lucy and stuff like that. But those, like, I don't really have strong memories of those, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think I could go and watch a bunch of I Love Lucy's today and necessarily 
uh, right. really love it. I bet, I bet you'd I have would, a fine time. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember like, watching a lot of yeah, like uh, Brady Dick Bunch, Van Dyke show. I kind of remember. Yeah, sure, Brady Bunch. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I just went through the full round of Mary Tyler Moore, which I know I never stopped talking about, but that show freaking rules. Um, Maybe I should go watch that. Yeah, because yeah. that was another Nick and Night one that I remember and caught. You know, watched sometimes and enjoyed. Kyle, please watch that entire thing so we can talk about it in a big bonus. Oh podcast. my god! Also, Jill, I forgot how old the Brady Bunch is because I'm like, I've seen some Brady Bunch. I'm like, when did that start? That started in 1969. Yeah. 69. Really? Heck? Wow. That thing is really old. I guess that would count. Though I will say, like, I'm not, you know, it was a long time ago, but I don't remember being like, this is a must watch or anything. I wouldn't put it in the, in my hall of fame of sitcom show wrecks, probably, the Brady yeah. Bunch, but. <laughs> I would hope not. I would, I would almost not. feel like that's more like family drama if we're going to get uh, granular. Well, it, it would know? be a sitcom if it had any com in it. By that, I mean it's not funny. Um, hey, uh, Kevin Kennedy writes in and says, Hey, Min Max. Really? There were so many of them. None of them got you. No, not a single one was funny. Not even the little ones. Um, hey, Min Max, my brother's wedding is coming up in a few weeks and it's got me thinking, what video game song could the DJ play that would bring everyone out on the dance floor? The Tetris theme song, if you get to the right kind of house music. I literally <laughs> wrote that down, the Tetris theme, because like a lot of people know it, even if you don't. Well, I think it's a couple things, because... A lot of people know it, and if they don't, it's just a silly song to dance to. And I think if it's a good wedding and booze is flowing, some people would try and do the Russian squat kick dance. Like you can get a lot of good physical gags out of the Let's Tetris. Give a thing. lot of credit to people who might not know Tetris to know that it's a Russian game. <laughs> I guess you're right. Oh. It was one guy at his computer a long time ago, and he said, "Hey, I'm working on this on the side." I love you, Vegetov. Um, Honestly, the Mario theme is the one that's like everyone kind of knows. And like the one from the show where it's like, swing your arms from side to side. How do you dance to it, though, though? You mean the dun, 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 that one? Yeah. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, you <laughs> know, it's doing time the to There's go do the Mario. lyrics to explain what to do. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, like, is there some, even just, you know, for bringing parents to the dance floor, is there some song from, like, Persona 5 that's just, like, too funky yes. not to get out to the dance floor to? But even stuff like Last Surprise, it's like, I think people would kind of be like, what is this at a certain point? As iconic as it is. So I, I asked this on Twitter, and there are a couple suggestions. Well, there were a million suggestions that were good. There are a couple that really popped to me. Um, somebody, multiple people suggested Yakuza Zero, a song called Friday Night. And I was like, I don't know. But if this is playing at a wedding, I think it's doing the trick. Here we go. I think Absolutely people are coming not. out. No? <laughs> no, you put that on and no. H hell no. What about this? No, I think for, um, what's it called? Uh, like when people are eating, I guess you can put that on and that's okay. Well, they're going to choke because they're dancing too much. Okay, what about this? What about this for another one with no context that might get people dancing? Somebody suggested Carnival Kerfuffle from Cuphead. Would every generation come on the dance floor for this? It only if it was a wedding that played that kind of music where like people dance to that kind of music. So it needs but to be yes. like a swing themed dance. Also, there's no such thing as a song that gets everyone to the dance floor. I had to harass my dad to do any dancing at my brother's wedding. And you're saying like, your dad was, would not dance to this? Do my dad would really dance to anything? Like he had to really like all of his whole his whole little table of old people. None of them want to dance. Yeah, they're That's like, hey, I'm not doing that. Like, like it's okay. Like, this is yes. the dance table 
I'm going to make sure that I have them ready to go right next to the dance floor. And the old people the didn't dance. And they the awkwardly watch. aged younger people don't like to dance either because they're like, it's too awkward. Like, I don't know anybody. Well, here. yeah, it's and awkward. Like, you have to embrace you know, I'm not the awkwardness. Drink, so, yes. yeah, no. All right. Keep the suggestions what rolling. What you throw everybody. on is toxicity. System <laughs> Kyle, that's a silly idea. Uh, uh, let's see. We have Joe, Ch- Joe Kefchinski writes in. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you heard about this, but they say, in a stunning act of collusion, the entire video game industry has come to an agreement that the current marketing cycle for games is broken and needs to be replaced. There are two <laughs> options that are available. We must choose one of these options for every video game. A, the demystifying game dev option, or B, the tell us when it's ready option. So A is every step of the process is documented, fully transparent for every part of the game, or B, it's just bam, here's Tears of the Kingdom, go. B, because can you imagine how bad all of our shows would be if we lived in the world of A? (laughs) I'm already out here reaching for straws being like, well... You know, I mean, it's see, I like what they did with, you know, the arrows yellow now. And, you know, we had orange arrows before. Not sure what the yellow means. Like, are you kidding me? Well, if I maybe, had to go into the. No. Maybe it's something. Maybe there's some purity in that because we would only be able to talk about finished products. It would only be like, you know what? Let, let's go back and talk about Yakuza Zero a little bit more. Right. You know, it might be no. healthier in a way. Because I feel like World A would ultimately lead to World B. Because we would just wait until the finished product was out to be able to say anything about it. Because we'd just be like, "Yep, that's a iteration of the thing that we talked about last so, week." So it's it's the theory that if Last of Us Part Two was in early access for three years, that we would just the entire industry would be like, "We're not going to look right. at it. We all take a vow." I mean, that is what we do for a lot of early access games anyway. It's like they mm-hmm. pop out on early access. You talk about them. You check them out, and then they disappear for a few years while they're developing, and then pop back up again and then we talk about them and check them out which brings me to grounded this week yeah <laughs> well you guys actually playing that what is the i want to i want to yeah so grounded from obsidian 1.0 which I, I i'm going to check it out I, i'm curious about that thing it's they have 10 million players they can't all be wrong right <laughs> but I, I honestly like the the world of b i like i still love the idea i think i've like you know i love christopher nolan movies I would yeah. love for the next just be like they just be like, hey, Christopher Nolan's new movie is coming out on July 12th. That's all we're going to tell you. Right. No trailer. Nothing. Also, don't Hope look you into, like it. Don't look into the life of Oppenheimer. Don't just. <laughs> no, I don't want to know that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, Hugo Pereira writes in and says, hey, have you heard of Atlantis? Watching Ben Hansen play through the Indiana Jones game on Twitch uh, made me curious to think, these days I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't know about Atlantis, but in the 1940s, what percentage of the world population do you think knew about Atlantis? (laughs) I think that's pretty timeless. I mean, yeah, I, I could see in the 40s, there were probably plenty of books out there that talked about Atlantis. Maybe not as many as like the 90s. Existed? They didn't have to deal with a bunch of different cinematic universes and like, you know, well, but what's I think happening in the f- with Spider-Man right now. Like they just had a few things and one of those yeah. things were Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, I think the 40s, maybe the 20s uh, was that time of like going in and, and doing ex- uh, expeditions and, and stealing things from other people's countries. Um, and... So I think Atlantis might have had a popularity spike around that time of people well, being like, is this real? Could we find it? 
I wonder though, I'm just, I'm thinking too much about like how much of a cultural, sh cultural shift was there with like UFOs in the early 50s and then Bigfoot feels very 70s. What are that UFOs? <laughs> I'm sorry, NPDs, wherever they're called now. Um, NPDs? But then like, <laughs> but then like the UAP, right? Yeah, the Bigfoot footage, what the Patterson footage is that, was that like 70s or something? So I feel like 70s is a very Bigfoot era and I feel like that's opening the door to a lot of these types of discussions. Not to say there weren't fun myths and stories before them, but kind of like the the cheap pop culture version of like, oh, isn't it fun to talk about all these maybes in society? I don't know if that was a big thing back then in the 40s. But I so mean, what? it was because, I mean, you think about like, oh, his name is Schleeman or something like that. But there was a dude who was a rich dude who just had nothing better to do at this time, who read a lot of like stories about the Trojan War and at that point, scholars didn't actually believe it was a real place. And he was like, you know what? I got enough money. He bounced over and discovered Troy, screwing up a lot of things. I censored myself. Thank you. Uh, oh, he's going to get it. Uh, and, and actually finding it. So, like, there are a lot of, like, historical accounts of people being interested in this sort of thing. And I think that sort of mania started around the early 1900s um and it might just be that we're in a bias where we don't look at old like old people are old so we don't pay attention that much but yeah. i think the popularity spike might have been for atlantis in that time period because you see yeah. there was a very great movie i think it was dreamworks and not disney uh about the finding of atlantis and they're all kind of old timey like no that's that's disney yeah, it's Disney. Was it Disney? Yep. It was just kind of the dark period. But and there's movie, a reason that they're sort of in 1920s-ish clothing and the <sighs> same thing with like 20,000 leagues under the sea. So I think we might be under the spike for that time period. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going with 40% um, of the world. Uh, GRN writes <laughs> in and says, uh, Hey, Gerald, the Minmax crew. Recently, a tool-assisted 100% run of the PSX Zelda-style game Alundra was posted online. Kyle, have you ever seen Alundra on the PS1? Yeah, I played it a little bit. Uh, okay. Very little bit. I remember I, d I bought it for my Vita and, and downloaded it and played it a little bit because I had heard the Zelda correlation. So. Yeah. It looks cool. I've never checked it out. But um, yeah. anyways, um, it reminded me of an odd moment in gaming. And this is some good dorky stuff, but thank you for writing in, Juran. They say, the song Requiem, Requiem from the Alundra soundtrack is reused as the song Kara's theme for the Legend of Lagaya soundtrack. These games have no relation to each other, plot, theme, characters, etc. So when I heard the song in Lagaya as a kid, it confused the heck out of me. Has this been done in any other game? Reused assets between games that aren't in the same series? I love this. This I had never heard this, and I looked it up, and I love Legend of Lagaya. And I guess both games were published by Sony, but it's not like a sound alike. It is just the same song used in these two completely different franchises. I don't know if it's the same composer. I gotta look into I this. I mean, it's, more. It, I mean, it's it's almost kind of like why not? Like, what is the Venn diagram <laughs> for those two games? You know, it's like if the sound, if it's the right fit for the moment in the game it's almost like go for it I don't it, know. Is, right. it is a weird idea though different composers I mean, it would have to be difficult though because i mean the reason it doesn't happen more often is because people own their intellectual property and you can't just like stick it out of something i'm gonna use a different word uh take it out of something <laughs> and 
put it into your own creation. You have to go through a lot of hoops to like get that person's okay or whatever. You'd think so. Maybe it was just Lucy Goosey back in the day. Or maybe like a song fell through on the soundtrack or something. And it's like, okay, we need a hot substitute. So yeah. anybody have in your library. Just, I'm friends with this dude. Do you have anything that you can throw in? He's like, oh yeah, I did something for something before. Yeah. A true foe watching us live says uh, the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. It used a track one for one from a Pixar short called Paper Man. I always found that pretty neat. That's weird. That's an odd one too. I guess that is a Dis- Disney's involved in that movie in some way, right? Yeah, eventually. Paper Man's a Disney short. Right? right, right. But although, at what point was Free Guy bought? Because it was a Fox movie for a while, you know? So, Anyways, Bob Buell, uh, Sausage King of Chicago, uh, writes in and they say, Howdy gang, and congrats to Jill on the Indian former. Super hyped for that. Um, do y'all think getting hit with a Hadouken would feel cold, like a chilled blast of compressed air, or hot like a fireball? Kyle, how would it feel? Wow. Uh, it's blue, right? In the it game, is isn't blue, it? but it's the same as like a, you know, Kamehameha. It's blue, but I think it would burn. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think it would feel just like a punch, right? So do you catch on fire when you get hit by Hadouken in Street Fighter? That's a great question. Because like, what I don't if it know. would be something like when you're out and the wind is really hitting you and it's kind of stinging? I wonder yeah. if it would feel kind of like that. Oh, so like, so stinging wind, but not a cold like wind? Like a wind burn. Like a freezer burn? So it's cold. I just yeah, think I feel like it's cold. I think like it'd be hot punch. though, just to be clear. Yeah, I, I do like that angle, Kyle, that idea there's no temperature. It's just, it's just a blast. But do you think yeah. Kamehameha? I think it's the same. Like, but I don't think they're producing fire. They're producing key. It's like energy. Right, right, right. But it looks like fire. I'm watching footage of Hadoukens being thrown, but they keep blocking <laughs> the, the, the clip yeah, I randomly but, pulled up because I want to see if they catch on fire. They're too briefly. good. Look at their face. Do they look like their arms are hot or cold right now? They keep the, the it's so fun. The one clip I pulled up, it, it's just like I just searched Street Fighter Hadouken gameplay, and it's just like two people throwing Hadoukens at each other and missing and blocking. Perfect. It's like this isn't what I want. That's gaming. <laughs> uh, Jerry, okay, he did. He got hit. He does not turn on fire. Okay, no fire. Okay, thank you, you for your work, Kyle. Things can be hot. <laughs> you know, a lot of good research. Kyle, you can touch a pan and it's hot, but it's not lighting you on fire. <laughs> You're cooking well, that wrong, changes dude. everything. That's yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> you need to uh, work on it. Jared Pierce writes in and says, Hello, Minmax. Uh, along with video games, I like to listen and keep up with a lot of music. In music, there are a lot of artists that I respect and recognize as good at what they do, but I can't personally get into them. However, this doesn't really happen with video games. Generally, if I don't personally enjoy a game or a genre, I view it as bad. Do you all do that as well? Is there a game that you recognize as good but don't enjoy? If not, why does this phenomenon happen... Why does this phenomenon not happen for games? Okay, there's a lot here. I think it's an interesting idea of if we... might just be lying. I think he secretly believes people who don't believe the thing he likes in other situations are bad. I think, well, that, sure, Jared might be a chronic liar. (laughs) That's an option. I think it's like, I think it's maybe an area of expertise, you know, of like, I don't know music that well. So if there's some song that I think sucks... I might just be like, well, that's not for me. I don't understand that. Whereas if it's a game, I feel like I know it better. And if it's a bad game, I'm confident saying it's a bad game. I do think, though, um, I think it's both. It's like a combination of both, because I also think there's a level of expertise of, you know, the true knowledge is knowing that you don't know anything. And I think if what's this person's name? Was it Jared? Jared. 
Right. I think, Jared, I I would challenge you to question whether or not a genre, an entire genre can be bad. Um, I just feel like that doesn't make any sense when you really start to think about it. Now, I will say, um, I think to kind of answer your question more directly, which is, why do I like Jared's asking, like, why does this person do this? Right. Why do they do that? Um, I would say it's probably because in games, because you have such familiarity, every game, even if it's outside your genre, has some mechanics that are familiar. Right. A walking sim has a story. It has visuals. It has interactivity. Um, You know, there's you can play almost any game to a degree if you are a gamer, especially if you're, you know, intense enough of a gamer that you're here listening to a show, writing in, you probably follow a lot of stuff. For that reason, I think it's easier to maybe make that claim than it is with music, to your point, Ben. But I do think there's no such thing as a bad genre. I think there are um, or even just like I think you just haven't found a game that works for you in that genre that maybe checks the boxes that make something good to you. Um, I think also, too, there's just so many layers here, right? Like I love platformers and I can like love a bad platformer, but like Mm -hmm. I don't think the platformer is good. I just am down for a mediocre platformer, but I enjoy more because I really love... Unless it's called Pac-Man, to be clear. It's, yeah. Especially one, if it's called Pac-Man I did, delete, Pac. I did instantly Pac-Man, and Pac-Man is not good. But even with that, I'm like, In, I could see myself toxically replaying this because I yes, love platformers that much. That's right. But I don't. I know it's bad, right? But I can see more value out of like the wax stuff because i know it so well and like it so much so sure you might have that issue but i don't think there's such a thing as a bad genre um right and yes there are games that are good that i do not enjoy um inscription is a game like that maybe one day i'll get to enjoy it but i just i, I didn't feel like getting good enough to play it i'm like i acknowledge it's cool yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's whatever Aaron Air, T. they say this is ultimately just objectivity versus subjectivity right right i guess no no, no. separate than that the one, yeah, the one thing that I came to mind for me was like mu- music is a, a passive form of entertainment where like video games are interactive and like you can sort of identify if you press a button and it doesn't really work on screen. Right. Like that, that's a that's a problem where you won't really encounter. You can you can hear a bad musician who's not good at playing musical notes. And maybe that's sort of the, the similarity, I guess. Well, they, yeah, if they, it's it like it's weird I, that it is like, yeah, music I've, I've never really been like oh this is bad it's it's, it's easier yeah. to say like ah, it's just not for me well the well, test also is some music i have heard that is bad i feel like yeah. if you don't listen to bad music you haven't heard enough music <laughs> um i've heard some bad music like go on go on the internet and you'll find mm-hmm. some bad music um you just might not talk about it as much or like i don't know i don't tweet a lot about music because i'm not like a music expert or person like there's i don't really get value out of having those higher level discussions yeah, for the I, way i engage with that hobby i dare you i, I dare you just to go and look up randomize it and find a song that Prince made out of his 4,000 songs that he produced. Just see. Why do you, just see if you randomize why, and just choose one. Why would you one. come for Prince of all people? Look, I'm in Minnesota. I can come for Prince. I can come for Prince. He's got six great songs and 40,000 horrific songs. This is it's how, not a good ratio is all I'm saying. This is just from the guy who also said he doesn't know anything about music, which I feel like this adds up. <laughs> this tracks. But yeah, I'm just saying Prince is a Pac-Man um, world repack of music. Objectives are... Uh, objectivity it has to be factual so objectivity doesn't really have a big place in criticism of media outside of what kyle's mentioned where there is technical correctness right right i can play a song and it can play it technically correctly but i can still play it like garbage if i don't capture the right emotion on of the track so yeah and and we all agree a song is bad 
if it doesn't get you on the dance floor during a wedding. That's the real barometer. That's how it's technically a bad that's song. That's how they're on one scale that you could use. Mm-hmm. And that could be your own little scale. Yes. I think that's the only one that matters. Um, Jill, what do you like for question of the week? Uh, I like Atlantis. You like Atlantis. Yes. I enjoyed that. Going back into time and talking nerdy history. God, things. I've talked a lot about Atlantis recently with the deepest dive in the angel of the fate of Atlantis. But uh, Jan and Kyle, how are you feeling? I think we should go with what Jill said. I like that. I like thinking about <laughs> Atlantis. It makes me kind of. It makes me want to go back and watch that uh, the Disney movie. Yeah, I, I, remember, I just no, remember seeing it in theaters. Fire. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. one of the better movies they have. Yeah, it's incredible, underrated, Wonder and it's beloved, beloved and underrated. That's how good it is. One of the we better watching, Disney um, movies. Let's not get Emperor's wild. Emperor's New Groove the other day. Just kind of having something on while we're working, and I was just this reminder of like, God, this movie is so funny. <laughs> it is so good. It's so good. It's, so good. Yeah, it's really. It's quite good. Yeah. I, I remember, I think Atlantis, it's so close to Emperor's New Groove in my mind for like that era, but I mean, Emperor's New Groove is three times the movie Atlantis is, right? Am I missing? What? Is, I like it more. Yeah. It's, it's, more it's, it's funny. Atlantis is a fun Indiana Jones inspired kind right. of romp with like a, an ending that's not great. And then like, not, and it just kind of comes apart, but Emperor's New Groove is like sure. consistently hilarious yeah. throughout. Yeah. 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 But if you throw in Road to El Dorado, then you've got a real conversation going. <laughs> then, oh, man. I, I think we just like that. being kids. Um, all right, now it's time for something called Get a Lot of This. Mm, Jill, you don't have to go if you don't have one. Sorry, I forgot to remind you. I do have one. Okay, great. Then you're going first. Um, so unfortunately, it's very visual for all the audio people, but there was a fantastic image. Let me double check where this is from. Sarah Neves Schwag? Don't know how to say that last name. Created a tunic illustration that is a beautiful um, watercolor of just a little fox reading a big book, oh, and good. I love it so much. And I can't show it to you, unfortunately. But there's a link below. We will give you a link to check it out. Please <laughs> yep, check do. the description, everybody. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Um, I was listening to the Rest is History podcast, which is a, a good history nerdy podcast. But um, when Rings of Power was releasing. They had a couple episodes about Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and stuff. And uh, I learned a little factoid that Frodo's original name in Lord of the Rings was Bingo Bolger Baggins. Mm. (laughs) Master of words, Tolkien. Master of words with Bingo Bolger. Uh, Janet, what do you got? Uh, Get a load of this. Um, This is a little bit old at this point, but they are putting Ted Lasso in FIFA. Yeah. FIFA 23. And that team from that show uh, is AFC Richmond. So that's awesome. And also, shout out to me because I called that like a year ago. Over shout year out ago. to me. 13 yep. months yep. ago. That's right. Don't be afraid to shout yourself out. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> a little lesson for you with my factoid. Also, FIFA came out, I think, yesterday. So uh, happy FIFA 23 to those who celebrate. <laughs> um, were Janet, there rumors? Um, can, oh. can you help me with this? Because I lo- uh, Ted Lasso, great show. really love it. There's like uh-huh. a, a bit where uh, the actor who plays Roy, everyone says he's a puppet. Is that it's like a, a jo- it's like a meme? Do you know about this? Is this like a TikTok? I thing? don't, I don't know about the puppet thing. Okay, because like the, the Ted Lasso Twitter account shared, you know, I've got goosebumps seeing my guys in CGI so weird. You shared the trailer, and then he says, except Roy for some reason, which I think was like a shout out to that meme joke that the actor that plays right. Roy is like not a real person. 
Huh. And uh, it's sort of my reaction. It's like, I think that's very funny, but I don't know the whole story. <laughs> I think that's a very funny joke. I'm sorry. That's I can't weird. help you laugh at this okay. joke. But <laughs> one day you're going to get there and boy, I tell you, you're going to really right, yuck it up. Weren't there tell rumors? Tell me why this is good. That was basically what I wanted. Was this fan theory or were there rumors that Ted Lasso was going to be multiverses as well? Because that's a Warner Brothers production. I think just kind of I could have sworn I saw fun that. speculation okay. of like, but there's so many leaks with like character there. rosters that I can never keep track of what's real and what's not. Uh, Kyle, you got one? Uh, yeah, get a load of this. This was, uh, when did he tweet this? Yeah, like back in August. This is Edmund McMillan shared this. Uh, he's the creator of Super Meat Boy and many other games. Um, and he shared this video. The video is like two and a half minutes long, and it's uh, him making a game in WarioWare DIY. Okay. And uh, he said, 12 years ago, I made this video for Nintendo. I don't regret it, but it was one of the most grueling experiences of my life. I can't act, and the lead got mad when I ad-libbed, even if it got a laugh by the lighting team. Um, (laughs) And he said, this tiny video took eight uh, freaking hours. And and then you watch the video, and it's two and a half minutes, and you're like, it's it's fascinating to watch him, like, play the game and figure it out and make a little Meat Boy thing in, in like, a WarioWare game. Yeah. But it's like, God, what, like, what were they doing for eight hours? (laughs) Like, why was this so hard? It's really interesting. Uh, uh, And it's also fun to see him just, like, be involved in, like, Nintendo marketing in a weird way. It's just just kind of a strange thing. It's weird now, too, thinking about, like, more people know him from Binding of Isaac than Super Meat Boy at this point, right? Yeah, I guess I I, so. he'll just yeah. always be Mr. Meat Boy for me, even though he's like totally separated. <laughs> Please, Mr. Meat Boy was my father. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from that franchise. Mm. Uh, he's like not involved in it in any way at this point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, uh, get a load of this. In the MidMax Discord, there's a whole channel dedicated to people uh, throwing a bunch of uh, gallets in there, as they call them. Um, Forrest with two R's shared a link to an IGN story that apparently Brendan Green, the creator of PUBG, is working on a new metaverse game which features NFTs and blockchain. Oh, it's called right. Artemis. And uh, Brendan Green says, talking about metaverse, he just says, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, but it doesn't matter if it's called the metaverse. I don't care what people want to call it. Which is like, I think that's a, the right attitude to have if you're making quote unquote metaverse style game, but then having a bunch of blockchain and nonsense in there, it's like, okay, that's that's a specific choice and a specific angle. Yeah. Um, Jill, what did you think about Game Informer's NFTs that Game Informer's not involved with I'm in any way? absolutely livid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I flippantly said when I was kind of jokingly asked about it, it's like, can I curse on the show? So I'm trying not to. No, you're fine. But um, yeah, it's it's horrific. And it tracks with everything that uh, GameStop's been doing to Game Informer. Yeah, it, it's nice to, at least if there's any silver lining to it. It's in the GameStop executive's pocket. Uh, no, it's that idea that it seems like, as far as I can tell, people aren't blaming Game Informer for that. You know, no one thinks that. I think everyone understands that Game Informer desperately does not want to have NFTs of fake Game Informer covers. It is truly the lamest. And as um one person over so there, Game Informer once said, the most embarrassing thing you could imagine. Um, yeah. So hey, Game GameStop, just doing gangbusters planting a real vision for the future those idiots um hey let's see um 
This week, Party Chat, our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Um, you unlock it in the bonus podcast feed. Uh, this week, Janet was on. We talked about the return of E3 for 2023 and what that's going to be like, having the in-person stuff. We talk about Survivor, of course. We talk about Deathloop. We talked about The Last of Us trailer on HBO. We talked about Star Wars' Andor with the community. We talked about Dunkey publishing indie games. All those hot topics are in that bonus podcast, so thanks to everybody who unlocks that at that $5 tier. Any feedback on Party Chat is appreciated. Um, and also, we should let you all know that um, MinMax's anniversary, our third anniversary, is coming up very soon um, in October. And so we are going to have a community meetup in Minneapolis, Minnesota on Friday, October 21st at 7 p.m. Central at a brewery, but you don't have to drink, obviously, but at a brewery called Utapils. That's U-T-E. P-I-L-S. Utapils Brewing is the name of the brewery. It has a lovely, big outdoor space. So we can all be outside, but heads up, um, it will be cold. It is late October in uh, Minnesota. So please, please bundle up if you're coming to that, but we'd love for you to swing by and say hello. And here's the thing. Janet, um, during party chat, reminded me of the best way to phrase this, which is, you're welcome to come. We'd love to have you come. I feel guilty if you're traveling a great distance to get here for this community meetup. If if it's just a Minnesota thing, that's great. We want to have a big event at some point with like a community meetup and really encourage folks to fly in if they want to make a whole event out of it. This is not that event, just so you know. Uh, this is just going to be a small get-together at Utapils Brewing, Friday, October 21st at 7 p.m. Central. So if you're still waiting for like, oh, I'd like to meet other folks in the community and meet folks from MinMax, but do I fly in for this? Maybe save that is, is my point. But it'd be, it'd be fun to get together because, yeah, our anniversary is on the 24th. So thanks, y'all, for supporting us and keeping this whole indie trainer rolling here. Um, other thing to plug? Uh, other things to plug? Jill, you got uh, the big site. Yeah, the Indian former. Go check it out. I just put up some uh, impressions of Penko Park, which was charming. Sweet. There we go. Uh, Janet, what do you got going on? Um, I am doing the usual stuff. <laughs> you can find me on the internet uh, under the handle Gameonesis. Um, I guess for I feel like I never actually plugged it on here, so I guess I might as well. Oh, two. I have two things. I guess yeah. from my site Pentapixels. I did that high on live preview like earlier in the month for my time at PAX. So go read that. Yeah. Uh, and I previewed Scorn. I previewed Scorn. I went oh. out of my comfort zone and I was like, is this going to be horrifying? Should I not have said yes to this? It wasn't as scary as I thought it'd be. And it was a lot more puzzly than I thought it'd be. Okay. But you can read about why I'm not personally super excited for Scorn. It's the Geiger weird, gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm curious to see. That what... was one of the Min-Max shows I was on. When oh, that got... We talked about Scorn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When that yeah. got revealed, and oh, I was like, oh. uh, So, like, yeah, go read that. There we go. Uh, Kyle, what do you got going on, man? Uh, no, I'm just hanging out. All right, that sounds cool. Nice. Uh, uh, hey! Check out, my, check out stuff on GameSpot, I guess. Check, click the mobile section there. Click the mobile I section. Got a bunch of bylines on there. There we go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. Thanks, everybody, who supports us over on Patreon. Thanks, everybody, who supports us specifically at the $50 tier, the Game Champion tier. You choose that, and you can become the champion of any game under the sun. Just like Miguel uh, Magi, they chose to be the champion for The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX. 
Great pick. Zachary Pliggy is the champion of Superman 64. Sandshrewd is the champion of McDonald's Treasureland Adventure. Interada is the champion of Final Fantasy IV. Atsigo 12, who won the whole thing last time. They're the champion of Donkey Kong Country 3. Dominic Sachoki is the champion of Graffiti Kingdom. Jawar Hello, the champion of Twisted Metal 2. And then Spider-Dan, of course, is the champion of Illusion of Gaia. And Procyon number six, the champion of Ghost of Tsushima. Great picks, everybody. Love it. Thanks for choosing a game to champion. You can jump in there and champion anything you want, even just for one month. We'd appreciate it. All right, that's it. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.